Welcome to the first episode of the Nerd Chatter Podcast. We're your hosts, Don and Garrett. What's up, everyone? Uh, this show's two nerds sitting down every week to chit-chat about some nerd things. Uh, typically, we're going to go ahead and start off the shows with a nice little segment uh, showcasing some free games that you can find on the internet. Uh, this week, we have Superland free on the Epic Game Store. Uh, that goes until the 23rd of June. Uh, have you ever played Superland? I have not. Superland is, if I'm not mistaken, there was a game in back in the day. It was called uh, Super Ball. Uh, I think you're like jelly characters, and it's kind of in, in the same headspace as uh, Rocket League. Essentially okay. soccer. You shoot the ball around and try to get around people double jumping and stuff like that. Pretty fun game. Uh, but I believe the same studio that made that created Superland, which is kind of a, uh, a guided open world experience RPG type of uh uh, a game but very fun so i do recommend picking it up free on epic game store until the 23rd of june and for this first show uh, i think we have some catching up to do so we're gonna go ahead and have you, a, <laughs> a little bit of a discussion on good old star wars you know we're children of the 90s we grew up with star wars we have a lot of fond memories uh, we had those uh, vhs releases in the in the nine, late 90s i think it was 97 or so uh what was yeah. what was star wars influence for you i mean it was everything um, my, one of my first memories of Star Wars is just watching it on, I'm sure, I think it was TNT with my dad. And, uh, that was our thing. So we watched Star Wars together and then it just became a me thing eventually. But I went to all of the, the openings for the, the whole prequels and then the, the sequels. And I don't know, it's just been such an integrated part of my, my upbringing and now my adulthood. I, I am a product of Star Wars. What about you? For me personally, it was kind of hard to pin down thinking about this. Uh, I can't necessarily say if it was watching the original films over and over again. I think I just grew up in the house with the films uh, being around. I know that we had the box set when the, the films re-released in 97 or so. Um, I remember we got the, the full screen uh, in VHS. You know, fond memories of video games. And, and I remember the, the comic books and trading cards and toys uh, and, and all that stuff. So, I mean, it was just kind of ingrained. It's just been natural to, to be a fan of Star Wars. Uh, you know, and the, the, the prequels specifically, you know, I was going through my, my high school years. It was like right in my high school years when those films were coming out. So a pretty, pretty decent impact uh, for me personally. Uh, I think first we should probably talk about what we grew up with, which would be the original trilogy. What's your feeling on the original trilogy compared to all the other uh, trilogies that have, have come since? The original trilogy is, I mean, what I grew up with, what will always be considered my favorite trilogy. I mean, it's the perfect set of films, in my opinion. You have A New Hope, literally bringing in the hope of um, freedom from the Empire and tyranny and... And you have the darkness that is Empire Strikes Back and the revelations that are in that. Then you have Return of the Jedi where the darkness gets destroyed in the end. And um, it's just such a perfect tale, uh, folklore, mythology, if you will, of of what good people can do together. Yeah, it does have a good message. It's uh it's obvious. I mean, that's it for anybody that grew up with it prior to any other films coming out. Uh, you know, there was no real murmurs of a, of a prequel. I mean, they did add the Roman numerals, I believe. I think we discussed this. Uh, what was it? The early eighties is when he added. Uh, the... Yeah. When empire strikes back came out, uh, George Lucas added it, the Roman numerals with a new hope specifically, the TV versions were edited to add in, you know, Roman numeral four or episode four, right after the title of a new hope. I mean, George Lucas always had the, 
the philosophy with the original trilogy of being Saturday afternoons like serials where you just jump into the action where you're you're at and that's what he had envisioned and that's what he did yeah and it feels like that too i mean with the opening crawl and and all that good stuff i don't know i think growing up as a kid and just being kind of young through all that i didn't pay too much attention to the fact that they were numbered you know i never referred to them as episode four episode five it was always like new hope empire jedi so yeah Yeah, i mean in the early 90s you i didn't really have that vibe of like oh i can't wait till the next star wars comes out you know you were just in it you were appreciating it for what it was uh, and everything that kind of built around it after that and all the toys and just kind of how it was kept up and just kind of social discourse. I really remember, I mean, I'm a few years younger than you are, but I, I remember that that excitement when uh, the special editions came out and the announcement of a new Star Wars being um, in the works. I mean, naturally, the CGI um, just went over so well. <laughs> yeah. the, the you know beautiful changes that they made to those films. I really wish I could yes. track down the originals and, and, and watch those again. Uh, I'm sure there's a way, but it's probably not, uh, you know, legal. We will not talk about that yeah, for probably. obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, just Disney Plus, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes. But when it comes to those original films, you know, you had a, a very particular vibe. Uh, it just yep. felt it felt like its own thing. It didn't feel like this, this gigantic machine, all-consuming and, and, you know, infallible you know we we grew up with with the original trilogy and appreciated it for what it was and you know it didn't feel dated because of the type of film that it was but you know we we appreciated it uh that it was it was original and and fresh even so many years later with star wars it's always star wars a new hope and empire strikes back return of the jedi it's always been such an original story and concept overall of the culmination the, of different themes the the exactly samurai, the, the the knights the uh, you know the mystical aspect of it and the sorcery essentially uh, yeah it's exactly a, it's a beautiful and combination the i mean george lucas pioneered so many different special effects and well, early computer effects epic, i mean you know. it exactly he he and his companies pioneered all of that, so you know, Return of the Jedi still still holds up mm-hmm. to a lot of special effects as like the gold standard of, of what to do. Just because it, it did it so well in the pioneering stage, and I mean, most movies in the seventies and eighties didn't look anywhere near what Star Wars looked like. Yeah, it was just so good for what the time brought. You know, and Star Trek was bopping around, obviously, and it it had its own appeal and. You know, just having a general understanding of the of the two worlds, uh, how different they were, you know, that you have that grunginess combined with that very mystical and beautiful art style that's in Star Wars. But uh, well, Star Trek was always with... that polished, that polished future of, of perfection, you know? Yeah, and with, with Star Wars, you know, in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago, like, we have that as our backdrop that this was who knows how long ago. And everything feels well used. And I mean, if you look at any of the, the things in Star Wars, they look used and abused. While in Star Trek, everything's new and pristine, shiny. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's that hope of a future where humans don't destroy everything. Yeah. That's what the driving factors are there. They're not horrible. But in Star Wars, there's definitely that, that, that uh, underlying grunge and... and looming threat of the totalitarian state uh, with the empire uh, and i think the the prequels did a, a pretty decent job even though that you know people have mixed reviews what's your thoughts about the prequels i mean 
Okay, let's prequels. hold on. Let's go back first, and let's let's say what okay. what is your favorite movie from the original trilogy before we before we continue. You know, let's uh, let's establish what our favorite films were. I mean, my favorite movie from the original trilogy has to be Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I I would rate it at a you know a, a ninety six. An Empire Strike Back is a ninety five. New Hope is a ninety four. Like. There's just the the few things that really edge out for at least for me, Return of the Jedi versus Empire Strikes Back. It's Vader being redeemed and how he was such a good villain, and it was only his son and his son's ultimate sacrifice that he was willing to make for his dad that saved Vader. Mm-hmm. That really resonated with me. So I, I, that movie just draw, draws me in every time. I love the Endor sequence where you have fighting on three tiers. You have Luke, Vader, and the Emperor in the Death Star. You have the space battle going around around the Death Star. Then you have the battle on Endor where you have, you know, the little teddy bears killing everyone and just going ham. And I mean, it's just such a, it's such a tense battle. Like there's a swing between, you know, the the rebellion's going to get through, they're going to win. Then there's that pendulum comes back around, the empire's going to win, and eventually the rebellion does win. And it's just such a satisfying way to round off that movie. I I love it. What about you? I'd say mine's, yeah, Empire. I like Snowspeeders. That's it? That's all you like? (laughs) Pretty much it. I like Snowspeeders. They're pretty cool. Uh, I think just the overall, like, just the tone of, of Empire, just the, the it's, it's a bit melancholy, you know, it's a bit somber. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that shift. Uh, and, and it's, it took the, it took the, the task seriously, you know, it, it knew how to yeah. establish the weight of the third film uh, after not, you know, expecting to make the second film when New Hope was made, you know? Yeah. They, they, they picked up the ball and ran with it really well, which is what I have an issue with, with the, with the new, uh, sequel trilogy, but we'll get to that. But yeah, it's empire for sure. And we were talking about, uh, uh the prequels and, and how they uh, conveyed certain messages. Uh, how do you feel about the prequels? Um, I mean, for me, the prequels is what I truly grew up on. I, I mean, and what I remember the most, I mean, I was, I'm a couple of years younger than you are. So, uh, I really dived into, the prequels, because I, I saw them in theaters. I, I had that uh, perfect nostalgia, and I, I mean, I collected all of the action figures for episode one. I had Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Darth Maul. I had some battle droids. Then when episode two came out, I started collecting clone troopers, and that was my thing. I, I don't know. I just connected with the Anakin, him growing up. I mean, I was... I was about Anakin's age. Well, I guess a little older than Anakin was when it came out. And then I kind of grew up with it. And when Attack of the Clones um, came out, I mean, Anakin was a little bit older than me. But I still related to Anakin for a lot of things. And I don't know. The whole story of the prequels is a little bit more shiny and put together than like the general aesthetic of the original trilogy. I feel like the story... For me, the the prequels really comes down to Revenge of the Sith, where we see what the hope of the Jedi was, was Anakin, you know, the chosen one, really just turning on the order. And, I mean, we 
they don't know that, you know, in what, 19 or I guess it would be 23 years, 24 years down the road, Anakin and Vader will come back to the light side and really will, you know, end off the Sith as we know him, kind of. But he at least gets that process started. I, I don't know. I just feel like that movie was so well done. The lightsaber fighting that movie is, is perfection. It's the, best, it's the best of the, of, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, 100%. peak of Star Wars lightsaber fighting is episode three. Um, In epic fashion. Like, it's... Yes. He went a little overboard, to be honest. It was probably just a little bit too much, but I distinctly remember the uh, the clips and, and the behind-the-scenes footage of them, like, just going crazy on choreography, like, for hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours and hours. And, I, you know, I just recently rewatched that entire prequel, uh, prequel trilogy, and... Uh, the lightsaber fights are just so much crisper. And I think that's my personal, uh, you know, issue with, with the new, I guess even the original trilogy and the new sequel trilogy is that you're dealing with people that are not properly trained. Every single character that you've seen, you know, wield a lightsaber that's been out of the original prequels has been kind of just a basic individual that's trying to stitch together you know, this this way of the Jedi type thing, right? Even Luke, uh, to a certain yeah. extent, uh, wasn't properly trained. It, well, he didn't go through the, the youngling training that, that the original Jedis did in the Old Republic. The prequels, to me, in terms of the tone, I think that's what I want the most from Star Wars. And I think that's why I kind of, I'm a little bit frustrated with Star Wars in general, because they won't give it to me. Uh, I want your mystical Jedi. I want the old Republic. I want the, uh, I want the the structure. I want that 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 religion aspect of it, uh, because that's what I like from the the prequels. You know, yeah, you you have the goofy characters and stuff like that, um, but that was George, and you know, not everybody agreed with it, even when they were making the film, and he's made comments where he might have made some mistakes. Uh, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. However, it was still George telling a story, and it felt like it was expanding on you know what was already established even if it was a little too shiny and and a bit goofy uh jar jar was a mistake if he was going to be the secret sith that was behind it all then that would have been uh i guess redeemable but uh yeah he wasn't he, well, i mean he is he is responsible for pretty much everything that's wrong <laughs> you know at the end of those movies <laughs> dumbass yeah i mean with jar jar though um George always wanted some type of comedic relief in the original trilogy. It was R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, I mean, we have those characters in the prequels. I don't know why George just didn't stick with that, but it felt, felt like he needed to add Jar Jar. Uh, I mean, Jar Jar pushes along the plot for sure and what the the story is for especially episode one, but... Could he have done it other ways? Sure. And is it wrong or right? Eh, who, I mean, that's your own opinion. They weren't. They weren't void of criticisms at the time. They were. They didn't. You know, skimp away from being uh, ridiculed a bit. Uh, they got their fair share. I mean, they got ridiculed a lot, and I mean, the actors faced it a lot too, and that's mm-hmm. really a shame because, I mean, um, Ewan McGregor said recently that. He felt outcasted for such a long time because of the way that critics and the general outs, or the the people that had the voice that you know in the early 2000s were talking about the movies. Mm. And I mean, 
we may have been able to get an Obi-Wan series or um, more stories with Ewan and Hayden together in the past. Maybe we could have had a live-action Clone Wars instead of an animated one because maybe they would have been willing to be there for that. It's just a shame that it's taken, you know, almost 20 years for them to feel okay with the fandom. Because that's I'm where they're not, at right I'm now. I'm not even sure if they're if it's that, to be honest. Like because there, I don't think there is a way to be okay with the fandom. You know, in, well, this, no. in this particular situation, like the fandoms, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, even Harry Potter, uh, you know, they've been kind of uh, turned upside down by this this aggressive conversation online, um, which I I keep track of a little bit more than you. You're not necessarily a Twitter goer. Uh, neither am I, but, you know, setting up everything for the show, you do kind of tune into these conversations and, yeah. uh, there's some very aggressive and, uh, unrealistic arguments that are, are bopping around a lot of blanks being filled in uh, a lot of assumption that's being kind of, uh, hoisted as fact, um, and a lot more hanging on desperately to the decisions that Disney makes in particular to, uh, what they can retain of their lore, you know? Um, yeah. Well, and along those lines, I feel like there's also a, a just didn't, especially, I don't know if it's just especially with Star Wars, but people hang on to what they want and really let go of what they want and are a little more, and try to be more receptive. I mean, with the Obi-Wan series that's going on right now, we see that, a lot of people are wanting to be hand-fed things in the moment and not let things pay off as the series comes out. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk, I mean, especially with the Grand Inquisitor stuff. There's People want to be hand-fed what they want and not necessarily let the story be told to them. And I feel like that is a disservice to themselves. Um, that's my opinion, and I wish it wasn't the fact, because I think people would find more enjoyment in these stories that, I mean, they're not perfect by any means, but they would find more enjoyment in them, you yeah. know? You can like the prequels, you can hate the prequels, you can be whatever about them, but uh, it still felt like there was a story being told, and it felt like it felt like you were you were being tapped into the, uh, like, the ass end of uh, a an even broader scale of lore that you can tap into, you know, that yeah. the Jedi council and just kind of how that whole thing works and a uh, drama type uh, Jedi series that takes place in the old Republic. Uh, perfect you know, they were talking it. about that. Um, they even tapped the, uh, the creators of the game of Thrones series from HBO to, to do that. But then they got tied up, I think with a net, uh, big Netflix contract. So that, that was going to be the case, and that is no longer, which is really unfortunate because there's so much opportunity mm -hmm. to go back in time. So I mean, many right cool now, characters, like just so many cool, dope characters, you know, whether it be Jedi or Sith, mm -hmm. uh, cool designs, cool uh, backstories, uh, a lot darker, more manipulative, you know. There is potential. Exactly. I, I know you've played the Star Wars MMO, the, the Old Republic. I have too. I mean, I whenever I feel, like think about going back in time in Star Wars, I imagine that those the cinematics from the Old Republic where you have hundreds of Sith and hundreds of Jedi and troopers from both sides just going at it in open warfare. 
I want that. I don't know about you. That's that's the war that I keep thinking of. That's the war I feel. And it's like, yeah, you get that from the prequels. You get that that grand scale of of uh, battle. Um, yeah. You know, even if it is on Naboo and it's it's a bunch of of weird sea creatures fighting robots, um, there's still that feeling of uh, there's there's a war going down everywhere, and you get a lot of that from from Episode Three in particular because Order sixty six. You you get so many different environments that these characters are in when they're killed yeah uh, that you see how how widespread this this fight is and how active it is uh there is an attention to detail to the actual wars of the star wars series uh which is something that you don't all you get from the the the, the new trilogy is um you know there's the bad guys are back and they're gonna snuff out those good guys uh and here's that tale you know and it's like eh. And then you get the the injection of of, of new Jedi and, and stuff like that. But uh, me personally, you know, I want that that old Republic. I want that that shiny, tall pillar, uh, Jedi Council vibe that you get. You know, the 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 sitting around in, in the chambers and and uh, meditating and training and, and stuff like that. You know, um, you know, I want other things. <laughs> I don't want just the the Skywalker uh, storyline. But you know Disney's gonna make their money back and then tenfold, uh, so they're in the process of doing that. So as far as Agreed. the prequels go, um, I'm like you. I grew up with them. I remember the the campaign. My hallway, I have uh, framed uh, USPS stamps from Episode Three. I think it is. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I love them. I I didn't really. I wasn't too critical of them because I think I was just too young. Uh, I did. I didn't think that it was as bad as they were. Uh, looking back, you can definitely see that there's some uh, even dated imagery at that time, you know, where it's like, I think a lot of people just didn't like uh, Jar Jar just because he was so uh, CGI heavy, you know? I mean, I, I'm totally right there with you. Um, as a kid, the reception of the prequels, I mean, I completely loved them. I mean, my opinion of them hasn't really changed over time, other than there's minor criticisms like Jar Jar, whole, his whole character. Perfect example, CGI, and everything about his backstory, his integration into the main story, everything about Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. Problem. However, there's just other things about the prequels that like are still good. And it's a warm and fuzzy. You get a little bit of a warm and fuzzy feel when you watch them. And I don't, yeah. I don't get that from, from the new trilogy, um, no. but you do get a warm and fuzzy from it. And again, I think that goes back to George being the one that's, that's putting this together. Cause there's still that heart to it. Uh, there's still a tor- a story being told. Yeah. And I, I mean, with George, he, it was his vision through all three movies. It was for better or for worse, his direction. And yes. I mean, in the original trilogy, there was people to say no to him and the prequels. He just did whatever he wanted for better or for worse. Yeah. He went, he went ham. Uh, the original trilogy, yeah. I, I distinctly remember the scenes that were cut, you know, bucket hat wearing Luke, uh, yeah. you know, running around in the desert, you know, just a completely different feel. And his wife at the time definitely saved it along with the editing, uh, it made it what it was and yeah he was he was off the rails with the with the prequels for sure um yeah but it was still his um, story being told and it set up so much exactly. more 
that could be tapped into. Without those prequels, you wouldn't have anything that's relevant in uh, the new trilogy or anything that came after the new trilogy, like the uh, video games and the uh, uh, the side projects like Clone Wars and stuff like that. It's all based on what George established before he dipped, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think they deserve their respect. Totally. Um, what's your favorite prequel movie? So me in particular, uh, I graduated in 2005 and um, I distinctly remember we had like grad night the night before. And the next morning, well, I mean, we got back to school like at six o'clock in the morning. First show, uh, first showing for episode three, first day of release was I think 10, like 25, 1030 in the morning. So went home, got a couple hours of sleep, went to the movie theater and it was like my entire graduating class. There was like double digit number of lightsabers in the crowd. Uh, the guy at the projector booth was like screaming at everybody to get him out. So one guy had to take them all out to the car, which was pretty funny. Uh, and then I got to watch that film with pretty much the entirety of my graduating class and, and enjoy it. So it was like an epic moment. It was like a once in a lifetime type of, of lineup of scenarios, you know, it's like, had a great night the night before you're you're low on sleep but you're amped on on adrenaline with all your homies and you're just watching this film the opening scene of episode three is is a uh, pretty epic you know and and for yeah. its time it was so aggressive and it's like okay you're gonna get the you're gonna get the jedi you know uh and it was it was pretty good now there's corny uh lines that are delivered and uh, some decisions that are kind of like frustrating by certain characters but um you know i think it's 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 definitely my favorite out of all of them. I mean, it's a, it's definitely my favorite out of the three. Uh, my second would be episode one, which I think a lot of people would be, uh, you know, the exact opposite opinion is probably their least favorite movie of all of them is episode one. But I really like Qui-Gon Jinn. I like the vibe uh, that he gives off in terms of, of the old ways of the Jedi and, and that structure. Well, I, I don't think, I don't think Qui-Gon even represents the old style jedi from what we know from clone wars and all of the other content he rep really represents being one with the force i feel like where he's in tune with the force he's what the the jedi were supposed to be i mean in the the prequels we see the jedi really lose their way they become generals and armies and um instead of being truly peacekeepers of what they're intended to be and i think qui-gon really represents what the the Jedi should have like should be, but what the rest of the Jedi, including the whole council, Yoda, Obi-Wan, were falling away from. I mean Obi-Wan does keep a lot of Qui-Gon-ness to him because he was his master. Of course he's gonna keep um have that essence and I don't know. How what are you what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I just I think just the way that the character was presented was just done in such a way that it just, it opened the door for a different type of character to like in the world of Star Wars. Yeah, you get like Mace Windu and you get Yoda and Yaddle <laughs> chilling around in the, in the Jedi Council and talking about what you should and shouldn't do. But um, to see like Qui-Gon out there and just kind of like in these tense situations, uh, guiding Obi-Wan to make the right decisions and, and just completely, you know, in control of, of what's going on. 
I'm like, yeah, he got sliced up, but you know, it led to, it led to more story building on top of that. And, and Anakin being taken in by Obi-Wan, uh, still solid storytelling that's going on behind all this goofy shit, you know? So, yeah. um, overall, Agreed. I just think that that feeling that was established in the prequels, uh, yeah, it's representative of, of our youth and, and what George turned the series into. Um, but kind of a weird position where it's like, like I said, we grew up with the original films, you know, the unedited, uh, non-CGI films. And uh, we were introduced with this new approach to it. And we took it differently than uh, the current generation does with uh, the new sequel trilogy. What's your favorite film for the originals or the uh, the prequels? Oh, Revenge of the Sith. I do like Attack of the Clones more than um, The Phantom Menace, but, I mean, it depends on the week. Uh, sometimes I have, like, a, a lot of nostalgia for Phantom Menace, and then I'll change to Attack of the Clones. So the, it's a toss-up between them, but Revenge of the Sith definitely beats it out. Like I said, that seeing everything play out and setting up the original trilogy the way that it did i feel there's no better thing and again the lightsaber fighting in that movie is just spectacular it's better than any any film i mean to be honest combine all of the all of the other films and it's like half as good as the choreography in episode three yep i need to go a little crazy with it but it was solid well and i mean with the especially the anakin versus obi-wan I mean, these are two Jedi, well, I mean, Jedi and a Sith at that point, really, where they're both at their peak of their game. Um, They've both been in countless lightsaber battles at that point between um, Count Dooku a couple times and um, everything that we see eventually in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. They are experienced. They... And they know each other. They duel each other as training. And we see that in a flashback from Obi-Wan. They know each other's moves. And so they're going to be going 150% all the time in that battle because they know what's going to happen. And they have to try to break their the other's defense. And the only way they do that is just go more than they could possibly just, do on their yeah, own. Just go crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I feel like the craziness... And the over-the-headness of the lightsaber battles in Episode 3 are justified because of that reason. I do also have, like, a guilty pleasure in watching Anakin turn evil. I mean, yeah. And it's not because he becomes Vader. It's just, for some reason, I just, I, I, you know, it's like the most satisfying ending for that character. You know, it's tragic, what have you, but it's, it's still the most gratifying outcome it's like yeah he's going in there and he's slicing up younglings and shit but to see him just kind of go unhinged how he did uh the transformation you know is a bit hokey um you know i mean i was i just like i said i just watched the 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 prequel trilogy and he makes the decision in the moment to chop off mace windu's hand because of pure selfishness it wasn't because he wanted to take him in for a trial he saw the room filled with a bunch of dead Jedi, you know, this dude shooting lightning out of his hands, you know, and he does say, I need him. It's, you know, it's a conscious decision to to go, but it was so kind of flippant, 
after that and he's just like willing to go and like murder a bunch of people and and do all this i get it's in a necessity where he he needs to to kind of soak in the evil and the the ways of the dark side so that he can have the power to to save padme but you know all in all i just think that it's just a gratifying ending to to that story arc agreed i mean i i think for me the other aspect of this especially when you watch clone wars in addition uh to episodes two and three palpatine is grooming anakin literally from episode one and it it sets up this gradual i mean I, I'm, have you heard of the analogy of like if you put a frog into boiling water? You throw them in a pot into, of boiling water, they'll hop out. But if you increase exactly. the heat gradually, they'll they'll yeah. I got. And I think that's what we see with Anakin. Like Palpatine just not didn't just like come out of the door. I'm like, hey, I'm a Sith Lord. Like, hey, I have this power to save the one that you love. It was, hey, like we've built up a lot of trust. I'm your mentor. <laughs> have you ever heard of the? The story of Darth Plagueis the Wise. The Wise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and at the same time, there is a bit of a whiplash effect in the films because you do hop uh, a big chunk of time twice, and uh, yeah. Clone Wars is a bit of a requirement to get the full feeling of it. Now, me personally, my experience of the alternate media uh, from the films is played a lot of the games, um, read a couple of the comic books when I was a kid, but don't remember. Uh, I, I mean, those not... aren't even canon anymore. Yeah, so. I know, but but a lot, you know, I did watch the Clone Wars, but that wasn't too long ago, probably about two years ago, and I don't think I finished the entire series. I think I got to like the last season and then got caught up with, like, you know, stuff. Um, yeah. So you know, you're you're gonna be the the one who who definitely can pull those references and correct my mistakes. Um, but of course, even even with what I watched. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of, of story being told outside of the films that helps receive the information that the films are giving you better. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you should dip every opportunity that you get, you know, uh, and they are double dipping, triple dipping, quadruple dipping. They're, they're sucking the Skywalker saga dry for everything they can get out of it. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I understand and I think that's why I like the prequels is because uh, it's more of the story being told rather than trying to extract more story out of something already there. So uh, me personally, I do like the prequels, uh, not not hating on it too much. Um, I think anybody that grew up in the 90s, you kind of took what you got and, and enjoyed it. I mean, I completely agree with that sentiment. I Prequels will always have a special place in my heart just because that was the new exciting thing coming mm-hmm. out. When I was a kid and a teenager, you know? And we loved it. What about the sequels? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, episode seven was was okay. Um, I think it was fine. It was fine. If it wasn't such a direct knock off of A New Hope, I would have a lot more... I'd be a lot more receptive to it than I am. However, it's very much like A New Hope. There's all, all of the tropes that you find in A New Hope you find a direct correlation into The Force Awakens. Yeah, it's like poetry, it rhymes, you know? Yeah, okay, George Lucas. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> but, you know, it, it it could play off that way. They could they could have got away with it. It's fine, you know? It's like, oh, she's kind of taken a similar path to Luke, you know? it's They could have worked with it. It, it. it was fine, you know? It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just kind of there and yeah. a perfect foundation. But the sequels in general... I I felt like it 
the storytelling wasn't there. The cinematography was freaking epic, though. Um, and that's why I like, or that's what I like about the sequels. You have the apocalypse style, or apocalypse now style, like sunset shot of TIE fighters. You just have all these epic shots. Mm-hmm. But the story for me isn't cohesive and it's kind of herky jerky. You go mm-hmm. from JJ Abrams' vision to Ryan Johnson's vision back to. J.J. Abrams' vision that he has to piece together from what he was given from Ryan. So, I, I, like I said, I just felt like it, it feels herky-jerky. I feel like the people that wrote... I feel like J.J. Abrams, if he would have had complete control of the vision of the, the sequels, it could have gone a lot better than it did. I don't know on what percentage scale I would rate them at, but um, if that was the case. But what we got, I mean... I don't feel like Ryan Johnson understood Luke Skywalker. I, I feel we know Luke from the, the original trilogy as this this hope of what the Jedi are going to be like. And we see him in The Last Jedi is this, who literally just falls apart. And that, it's just so sad because that's what, I mean, we both grew up on is Luke saved his dad. And Luke is the future of the Jedi, and especially in like with Legends content, Luke had this. I mean, he recreated the Jedi Order into something better than it was in the Old Republic and in the Republic. And then we see complete disintegration of Luke, and I it makes me sad. Yeah, my thing with um, the first film of the trilogy, um, like I said, it had a good establishing base for where to go from there. Uh, it was a pretty solid rip of a new hope uh, but it had everything that you needed the characters were delivered in a in a, a fairly likable way um at least a, a a way that could be utilized um the the imagery was was very nice in that film the uh the slight callbacks you know you got the the millennium falcon and uh its influence and 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 just the lore in general and uh you know the imagery they pulled i think a pretty decent performance by Harrison Ford. Um, you know, to see him and Chewie together is, is always funny. And Han Solo was a very witty character. He wasn't cracking jokes. He wasn't saying your mama jokes. He wasn't, uh, you know, farting and, and, and burping and all that stuff. It was a confident character that, that really didn't want to take anything from anybody. Uh, and he let people know it, you know, and it was uh, a snappy wittiness that, you know, you wanted to you wanted to hate him, but at the same time, you really liked his his style, and uh, that was the balance. That's why you like these characters. But um, the first film, it was very kind of just whatever. Um, it wasn't necessarily intended. It was intended to introduce Star Wars to another generation, uh, and hopefully piggyback off of what they had just purchased. Yeah, you know, which was a very established IP that had been around for decades and have had fans that have have grown up with it and had their own kids and have been showing their kids these films and 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 you know they wanted to capitalize off of it uh, and you want to give people what you know they're going to like uh, and and the Skywalker saga is definitely that um I think that the biggest issue with the new trilogy is that uh the lack of planning you know it was it was somewhat of a hubris approach to it uh being so confident that you know, just because you're Disney that you'll be able to just kind of fumble your way through it and deliver a product that these, these people would like. 
Uh, and to a certain extent they did, um, because I do think they, they had an, a general understanding of the level of, um, a certain level of fanaticism that they could uh, utilize to kind of make sure that they have this community built around the products that they're making. Um, you know, you see a D23 convention or you see, you know, Star Wars, what is it? Star Wars Celebration. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, May 4th. You see these and you do see a, a significant number of individuals that pretty deep into that that fandom you know where you know you, it's not very hard to find youtube videos of people that go to you know galaxy's edge three four times a week um where it passes the the level of of just basic enjoying of a film and a story being told and it turns into uh, an identity uh and and something more and i think the clash between people that just want to see like good films and the people that will defend these films, regardless of who makes them and who produces them just because it is star Wars, uh, that divide has definitely led to a, a different take on, on the social interaction around the community. Uh, and it is kind of driven a, a wedge down the middle. Um, me personally, I mean, I know you uh, are definitely uh, a fan uh, me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I would consider myself just like a, a standard fan that, that likes to look into it a little bit deeper, um, mm -hmm. you know, finding the time to watch multiple seasons of a TV show or, uh, you know, rewatch the films over and over and over again. That's not really in my wheelhouse these days, you know, having, having kid and family and that type of thing. But, you know, I do enjoy knowing more about these characters and being able to keep up with the conversation. Um, but I think there's, you know, I, I think there is that extra level where it's it's taken a bit uh, too far because my general criticisms with the, the sequel trilogy is that, um, you know, Ryan Johnson, that that film, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not that great. I'm sorry. No. I literally just finished it about an hour ago. I watched it again. I watched, like I said, I watched the, the prequels and I did watch The Force Awakens uh, and The Last Jedi just now. And in all honesty and, and somebody who was willing to absorb anything that was star Wars, uh, it's a bit of an obnoxious film. It is, it is quite patronizing. Uh, it's, it's sacrificing characters left and right. Uh, and not just their, their lives, but, um, their image, their, their influence on the story, uh, the confidence that the viewer has in those characters, uh, the likability Poe was, completely destroyed as a character and, and somebody that you would want to, you know, uh, admire and, 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 and buy toys of and stuff. They pretty much sacrificed that character. Uh, the injection of, of Rose, uh, not even, not, e not even coming close to talking about any of the stupid crap that's on the internet in regards to the racism and the, the prejudice and yada, 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 uh, as a character that's written and injected into that film for the purpose that the character was was written for is dumb, uh, very <laughs> annoying, very uh, distracting, and uh, the the sacrifice at the end of the film uh, was so bad. I just I that movie it's it's very frustrating to watch because you know you could tell that there was there was passion put into it, and there's tons of people that that did fantastic work. There's uh, practical props that that were fun to see and. 
you know, there's some situational humor that fit, but there was a lot of just not understanding Star Wars. And like I it, and, and I don't say that in the sense where it's I'm an individual like, you know, like I said, well, I'm not an individual that has memorized every page on Wikipedia and read every every novel and know uh, every ins and outs of all these side characters and the references that they're making and stuff. Sometimes I do got to go in there and dig to find out. Oh, OK, OK. Um, but as a film, as as somebody who enjoys following this story, uh, there was a whole lot of self-sacrifice uh, by Star Wars in that film. And those decisions were made by Ryan Johnson. And I can understand yeah. people that would like those films. However, uh, from a like a pace uh, perspective, the uh, respect for the characters and the long, long history of Star Wars and, and, and really understanding what the majority of the fan base would actually really like. Uh, and instead utilizing it as a vessel for them to uh, talk about whatever social issues they want to talk about or inject uh, filler, like the whole Canto Bite scene and, and all mm -hmm. that goofiness that's going on in that. It's just, it's really hard to watch. And, um, you know, I, 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 I need to watch uh, uh, the final film. I need to, I need to get on that. I'm probably going to do that after uh, we're done recording just so that I can round off my, my opinion. But uh, the whiplash, the tonal whiplash of, of the of these last three films were a bit inappropriate, in my opinion. You know, like I agree. I, so there's certain like said, parts I... of it that you can like. It's fine, but uh, you know, from from a perspective of somebody who grew up with it and and respects uh, the story that was being told, it was a bit pretentious. Yeah, like I said, I, I just felt like they're herky jerky in the storytelling. I, there wasn't a singular vision like what we had with the original trilogy, prequel trilogy. Clone Wars, even of George's vision going and arcing through the three, it it wasn't a smooth arc. It was lightning bolts of here and there, and you know it, it was just so piecemeal together due to just the writing differences between JJ and Ryan, then the storytelling and the their individual visions for what they wanted their movies to be and what the characters were. Like I said, I just the Force Awakens is I it's serviceable. I can watch it. I I enjoy watching it on occasion, but I mean I haven't seen The Last Jedi in I don't know, since we bought it on Blu-ray. Um watch it again. Maybe one other time. And the same thing with uh, Rise of Skywalker. I, I haven't seen it since we bought it on Blu-ray. I just feel well, I mean, there's so many missed opportunities that they could have, should have done. They could have brought in a lot of really awesome Legends material, but bringing back Palpatine, I feel, I, I feel like they should have just left Snoke be a new character and not a puppet for Palpatine. I felt like that was a mistake. I mean, I just before. I mean, the last Jedi didn't felt resonate like with it, me. it didn't feel like they were going anywhere with it. It felt like they were ending it. You know, and you hear yeah. a lot of talk about ending this and ending that, let this die, yada, yada. It is the same fight that took place on the original trilogy. Yeah. 30, 30 years of peace and canon and mm -hmm. everything's taken away again. Well, that's commented no. on in the, the Last Jedi as well. And that's, I think, the, the pretentious aspect that I, I'm referring to with uh, that, that particular film is that a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the writing, a lot of the message quote unquote that's being delivered to the fans is about the fans 
you have these previous films that were really heavy on like the Bush administration and just American government, uh, war, that type of thing. Uh, the original films were just a, a culmination of, of different themes that he was trying to make a, a world out of, uh, and all, yeah. you know, a commentary general on, on, on what was going on at the time. Um, these new films, they feel like they're commenting on what you as a Star Wars fan uh, should and shouldn't feel, uh, why things that you believe are wrong, and why you should change what you think. And I think that is is the, the patronizing and pretentious aspect of uh, The Last Jedi that I keep getting. Um, there are certain aspects that are fun you know, fun and happy and that, that type of thing that you, you know, you pull those emotions out of, but you know, you would hope so with star Wars, but at the same time you want, you want that story. You want the, you know, the, the, do the, does the new trilogy feel like an episodic, uh, weekly serial? No, uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. I feel like because they're so different from each other, I mean, granted the, the feel of the original trilogy each individual movie they have their own feel to it mm -hmm. but there's also the overarching feel and vision that we get from george that there's not that feel to them they feel like individual movies that for better or for worse you're popping into a star story, wars you know yeah it's a and, wide it's a wide scale story uh where you know you don't necessarily need to tag along every second and i think my issue yeah. with ryan johnson's decision uh, with The Last Jedi is that, I mean, we're talking about we pick up right where it left off, you know, like it, we're not we're not talking about hopping four years in the future, two years into the future, six months into the future. Literally, she is handing him the lightsaber uh, and then it picks up right where it left off and shifts the tone of everything that was leading up to the end of The Force Awakens. So I think yep. that that's my issue with Ryan Johnson's storytelling and decisions as the person that was responsible for continuing the story. He neglected the fact that none of the Star Wars films picked up right where it left off. And because of that, it doesn't feel like it belongs in that that same headspace of a weekly serial that made Star Wars what it was originally. Yeah, I mean, you the. I think the closest we really have beyond that would be the six month gap in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I, I think that's the closest gap between the rest of the movies because there's there's years that go in between what is it like 10 years in between Phantom Menace episode two. Yeah, there's three years in between two and three, uh, two and three, then three and four is 19 years. Mm -hmm. Then I think there's a year or two in between A New Hope and Empire. I'm probably wrong on that. It might be more. It might be less. Mm -hmm. But there's a short period of time where they have to pick up everything and go to Tatooine, plan for their jailbreak of Han, essentially. And Luke's a master. So it's Luke's. Already, he's already Master Luke by that point. You know, like he is. Yeah. He is supposed to be pinnacle Luke by that point when he walks into Jabba's palace and uh, you know, you're just kind of left to be like, Oh, I guess he went and he trained and he became a Jedi, you know? And yeah. uh, you know, we're tapping into a little bit more of that and it's, you know, whether that's, that's good or bad, uh, that's up for anybody's interpretation. But um, 
there has always been the gap that you jump and it has always felt like you are kind of hopping into the story uh, and me personally. And then again, I'm sure that, you know, people are going to get outraged and uh, you know, it, it's my opinion, <laughs> somebody who just kind of has always enjoyed these films since I remember watching films, um, the conscious decision to negate that jump in time turned the way that the story was being told. And uh, it no longer felt like I was watching Star Wars. It felt like I was watching long story of somebody that they were trying to, like, squeeze into the lore. Uh, and you couldn't skip a beat, you know, because, yep. you know, you, you got to you got to see what happens, you know, right after she hands him the lightsaber. And it's like what he decided to do with it after that was just so hokey. Like, watch that film again. Uh, watch the way Luke acts in, like, the first uh, the first act of that film. Uh, the, the, the joking and the, the attempts at jokes and stuff, they're not witty. They're no, very, it's just spiteful. Yeah, it, it is. It has a very, it has an underlying tone of underlying tone of spite, uh, for yeah, the I, fandom. To be completely honest, I'd rather go throw up. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my, my general issue with it is that I think prior to that, I think most people were kind of whatever about, about, uh, the force awakens, uh, and Ryan Johnson's decisions to antagonize, a, a a big portion of the fan base intentionally has has left a scar on the entire fandom of Star Wars, and that 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 divide yeah. has it's it's there, and and I don't think there's a way to get it back together, you know. Uh, and it was intentional, and that's the issue is that he was intentionally antagonizing uh, with you know Twitter images and videos, and you know you think you know Star Wars, but you don't. Uh, yeah. from somebody that immediately picks up where somebody else left their story, you know, and, and yeah. a general un lack of understanding for how the stories are told uh, by somebody who feels that they know better than you. And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a writer, I'm not a director, but to, to have, you know, Looper be your, your film and then be like, okay, well I know Star Wars. <laughs> it's like, yeah. whoa, 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 you know, like you're supposed to be a person that understands like the feeling of, of the fandom and, and, and what people really want from it. You shouldn't mm -hmm. be here to change what people want from it. And uh, I think, well, the, exactly. think the decisions he made were, were poor. Yeah. Well, and I remember coming out of the theater of The Force Awakens being so excited to see Luke again. After not seeing Luke at all in The Force Awakens until that last scene, you know, you're climbing up the steps and you see Luke there and he, he just looks longingly almost at, at Rey and the lightsaber i do think it's a bit hokey in, the the the, the, well, the body mannerisms that he has when he takes off his hood is a bit hokey yeah in, it's very but, like oh you know like he does it to himself it's not well, like the music they, swells like to to give you that vibe it's like he like lifts his 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 hood off and he holds but, his arms out and slowly lowers them it's like oh, relax <laughs> chill out i think I don't know. I just felt like we're going to have this grand adventure with Luke again, and we're going to see him as Master Jedi, Luke Skywalker, stronger than we've ever seen him in any other material. And he's going to be this great Jedi. And literally, first second in The Last Jedi, he just throws the lightsaber over his shoulder and basically is a big F you to the whole fandom. And mm -hmm. 
what people were hoping and expecting and thirsty for and hungry for, you know? Yeah, I think that's where that whole, the, the quote, you know, it bopping around YouTube videos, the subversion of expectations and yada yada. Um, and and is, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. It doesn't need to be a subversion of expectations. Sometimes it no. just needs to be Star Wars and you get what you want. You know, the reason you watched the prequels was because you knew it was a story about Anakin becoming Darth Vader. It is yep. what it is. <laughs> that's yep. all it was. The what sequels... about the third film? What about the third film? Let's let's uh, let's not talk about the prequels because okay, okay, that, okay. that was our youth. But let's yeah. talk about the third film. Okay, third film, uh, Rise of Skywalker. I felt I I feel honestly sad for J.J. Abrams for having to pick up the pieces. I, I feel like he was given uh, crap on a platter and he had to polish it to make it presentable and. I don't think there was a way out. Actually, there's one, there's one other thing that I feel like we need to talk about with The Last Jedi. Carrie died in post-production. Mm-hmm. Broke everyone's heart. Mm-hmm. And they did a whole bunch of editing, and they delayed the next their, that film from coming out to make changes. And, and they saved some of the film from um, The Last Jedi to be used in rise of skywalker i felt like that is a complete mistake they should have when she went out the um the window the bridge yeah. of the ship that would have been the perfect what are you talking encapsulation about the, the mary poppins scene is obviously the best scene of that movie i mean no it's not <laughs> but like it would have been such i don't know i just feel like carrie was just dishonored by them forcing the character to live into the next movie when they didn't have a lot of material to carry through. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just needed to say that like that. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, it was a they had the perfect opportunity, extent. the perfect out. And imagine like the impact that would have had on Kylo. It would have been a, that in itself. I, I feel like I would be a lot more pleasant towards The Last Jedi, but like I said, they were editing the film because Carrie died, and they didn't choose to just take her out then? I like, mean, it, it, complete mistake. It had already felt, when, when Luke and Leia meet for the last time, it had already felt like the movie should have ended just because of the way he handled that portion of the third act. It's like we had two endings. You know, you have the space battle yeah. and their escape. Uh, and they go right to somewhere where they start another battle. And it's like, okay. I mean, yeah, the imagery is cool. Um, the salt line is absurd. I I just saw that like an hour or so ago. Yeah, yeah. Where he just it pans on the guy. He deliberately tastes the, the, the ground and just says, salt. Yep. Like it was necessary. <laughs> like it was something that you needed to know. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's like yeah. they just wanted to explain why the ground was red and that there was an overlaying layer of white so that it looked cool and that you had the impression that when Luke got blasted to hell that that was body parts and blood being splattered around. Uh, but it wasn't because they could play it off that it was just the surface and yada yada. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, also, I agree with the, with the, the, the Carrie Fisher uh, to a certain extent, I think that even if it wasn't the bridge scene, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have just kept going with it. They should have done something to to end the character in that film, and then maybe rewrite how Luke ends. You know, like maybe he's yeah. just weakened and he's left on the island and he can't do anything except share his knowledge, like Yoda. You know? Yeah. It, it, 
I like I said, I feel like it's a dishonor to Carrie Fisher to have it be the way it did. Yeah. And, and I mean, so many disappointments with The Last Jedi. And then again, I feel sorry for J.J. Abrams from having to pick up the pieces and yeah. having to scrape together bits for Leia. And I do think to... that the story they came up with is a little bit messy. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think all the general criticisms, I mean, we're obviously a little late to this party and, and all yeah. the general criticisms have been stated. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, the pacing was an issue. Heavy whiplash. Uh, a ticking clock. You know, you have a ticking clock element in in the Force Awakens, or I'm sorry, the uh, the Last Jedi as well, with the the fuel fuel in in the spaceships being the most you know dramatic thing that you can deal with in this film. Yeah. So I just want to comment about the fuel situation in the Last Jedi, just because you brought it up. <laughs> Where else in canon in Star Wars have we seen fuel be a legitimate issue? Nowhere. And now it's an issue? Like, I don't know. I, that just felt out of place. I was thinking about me. it when I was watching it. And it's like, well, you know, I do see, uh, you know, TIE fighters and X-Wings and stuff. They're doing like something. Fuel. They're doing something. Yeah. I don't know if they're getting like oxygen or if they're getting something. Uh they're getting they're getting fueled up with something. Um so I you know, I was like, yeah, maybe. But but we never see that be an issue before. And yeah. all of a sudden it, it's an issue. Um like if you think to Empire Strikes Back, we have the Millennium Falcon going everywhere, not touching a lick of fuel, like and it still gets on. Yeah, we have hyperdrive issues and I mean, that would have been a plausible explanation of what was going on if they were having hyperdrive issues other than the tracking that was going on. But no, we're running out of fuel. That's stupid. Yeah, and being so, able to I, tap into it from uh, Canto Bite to see how much time you have left, uh, fuel you have left. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some weird decisions that are going to be made. And I know that with the fandoms, there's always an explanation now whether that yeah. explanation is reasonable whether it makes sense whether it's the best choice which is important because you're making a movie uh you have an army of people that are assisting you and making the best product that you can deliver uh and to be honest uh the way that uh, the last jedi was delivered it was a bit uh, aggressive yep. uh, and it did leave jj abrams and his uh, writer co-writer I, I forget his name um but it left them in a in a very touchy situation, um, yeah. especially after the whole Rose uh, debacle. Um, Kelly Marie Tran is a perfectly fine actress, um, and I think a lot of people have a hard time understanding that when a character is portrayed a certain way on the screen, it is the decision of the director. It is this the, the decision of the director to uh, take certain lines, to take certain uh, cuts. Um, to uh, inform the actor, actress, uh, how they should be delivering the lines, the facial expressions they should be making. Uh, the actor is essentially a tool. Uh, now you buy you you buy their services based on the the quality that you're going to get from it, and they get paid accordingly based on their experience and ability. Um, I do believe that that a few of the characters in the film uh, were written horribly, some intentionally. Like I said, the sacrifice with Poe, it was in. You're service. talking about Finn. What do you mean? I think you're talking about Finn. No, I'm talking about the 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 moral sacrifice of the character Poe in the okay. Last Jedi to be this rebellious, doesn't listen to anybody, wants to shoot and blow everything up, uh, and is made to look like a fool at every opportunity they get. Uh, for Roger. a character that was just delivered to fans uh, as 
essentially your new Han Solo type character. Uh, they yep. really did that character a disservice. And then they also did Finn a uh, tremendous disservice just in general storytelling, uh, tacking him to this new character that was written uh, fairly unlikable and was directed poorly. Um, yeah. The shoehorning of, of, of certain messages and stuff. It, it leaves J.J. Abrams in a position where he can't tell the fun Star Wars story that he originally set up, you know, with The, the Force Awakens. Uh, it left him in a position where he had to kind of just write things in to undo uh, what had been done and hopefully uh, get as far away from it as possible. And the way they wrote that film, as fast as possible, too, because the the, the planet hopping that's going on is insane. Um, the pacing is a bit hectic. Uh, and, and again, some of the decisions that were made weren't the, the best because it was just what they had at their disposal. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think some of the movies are watchable. I think all the movies have their certain redeeming aspects, uh, but you know, the last film feels really fast, or really just kind of hectic and uh, not very satisfying at the end. And I, I do know for no. a fact that that people on the internet, I've, I see their comments all the time. They're gonna, they they rationalize what it meant to them and what they feel and yada yada. Uh, I'm talking about it from more of a of a of a writing and 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 general viewer perspective you know where it's you know there's got to be a balance there's got to be a story being told it's got to feel consistent and uh you know the the pieces that were being put together were were not the best pieces they had to work with so uh, we got it we got what we got yeah let's move on to uh the new content that we've gotten over the last what three four years from mm -hmm. disney plus mm -hmm. You know, before getting into Disney Plus, you do have Clone Wars and Rebels, mm -hmm. um, Filoni's involvement in in Star Wars in general. After that, and being a good uh, harbinger of the original message and 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 story yeah. of it, uh, having been mentored directly by George, uh, he does have a good handle, and basically anything that he touches is likable as yeah. a, as a uh, Star 100%. Wars property. You know, and he did a fantastic job uh, with Clone Wars, right? Yeah, and I mean Rebels is great too i mean i think with clone wars and rebels the first season is really kiddish mm -hmm. um then they really develop into their own show clone wars gets dark mm -hmm. and it's like consistently dark cartoon adult show that if a kid watches they're not going to be mortified but they might miss a lot of the the undertones you know yeah. and um rebels I, I it doesn't have that same darkness to it but it's serious there's that uh delivering on a, a pointed message that same way the clone wars does mm -hmm. it felt like it was expanding you know it felt yeah. like it was adding to it yeah and the art styles are are, are different than each other i mean the, like a lot of people criticize uh rebels for the lightsabers being super thin and everything like that but i mean if you really have that that viewpoint go watch the original cut of the original <laughs> new hope yes. yeah. no special edition no disney plus edition and your criticisms should be pointed there as well yeah what <laughs> but, was it uh, it was a metal rod wrapped in like a, a, a foil reflector used yeah for it was like a reflecting tape something like that yeah yeah um and you heard it <laughs> you heard it when they were clanking them together i remember that yeah um you know they they added the 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 you know the sounds but you still heard the, the clashing clank. there's yeah. a clink um yep good and stuff. i mean the in all of the other material now 
there is that clanking mm-hmm. noise when two lightsabers meet. It's definitely not as pronounced it was in the original cut. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded more but, metal, to be honest, because it you know it, well, exactly was, uh, the newer yeah. ones to clash, you know, and, and it's an iconic sound regardless of the tone of the lightsabers that are clashing. Yeah, you, you always you always know it. Uh, yeah, know, which is nice. So I mean, with 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 taking into consideration Clone Wars and and uh, Rebels, uh, those feel the way they feel and are received the way they're received because George was still ultimately involved one way or another with those properties and the way yeah. that that George was he was hornswoggled a bit when it came to that that deal with with Disney. Um, I mean, he gave treatments for seven, eight, nine, but they didn't. And they didn't use them. They threw them away. <laughs> they threw them away. And, they didn't that, use them. I mean, That's I don't know hubris. why they threw them away, and I don't know whose decision that was. I don't know if it was a Kathleen Kennedy thing or if it was a J.J. Abrams thing. But I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I've heard rumors about what those contained. I don't know how accurate the rumors are. I don't want to comment on those rumors because I don't know validity of them. But, I mean, George had a story to tell. He had that story, at least treatments of the story. I don't know why they didn't run with those. Or at least bring in major aspects. Because it sounds like they trashed those completely and just did what they wanted. Because they didn't pay $5 billion to listen to somebody else. That's well, just no. how it is. That's that's. It's it's a hubris. It's they know, you know, they didn't buy this for nothing. They know what people want. You know, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll tell our story. You had your opportunity. Um, it was a feigned respect for the creator of it. You know, it's it was PR yeah. spin, you know, having him up on stage and certain comments that, that George <laughs> makes. Jesus, no chill, on yeah. George. Chill is just no chill whatsoever. Um, yeah. You okay. know, so I mean, it's it's a it's it's kind of a telling when that happened i remember that distinctly it's like oh so he's involved but you guys aren't listening uh and he even yeah. said that you know blatantly he's like yeah i wrote stuff but they don't care it's disappointing sad to see but they did what they did it's done for for better or for worse most likely worse for the general population and it led to um, the disney plus yes disney plus yeah i mean mandalorian first season I think that is top level Star Wars. I, I I love the new characters, the that that feel of of Star Wars, and that ex- I remember watching it as it was coming out weekly, and just having that excitement to know, like having that unknown of what was going to happen. I think it's also the uniqueness of the storytelling too. Uh, yeah. John Favreau is a G. I mean, obviously his, his track record with Marvel is 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 nearly flawless. You can look mm-hmm. back on some of those original Iron Man films and and like him or dislike him. Uh they are what they were at the time, uh, but you know, the influence that they had is is undeniable. Yeah. Well, I mean, he really kicked off the MCU as we know it. He understands and respects the process of what George did, and he brought he brought in the right people. Like mm-hmm. Dave Filoni was with him the whole process, and they've been good friends. I mean, when John was doing all the initial cuts and editing for Iron Man, Dave Filoni was working on Clone Wars, and when they were at ILM doing the different cuts and stuff, they would show each other the different stuff. Mm-hmm. So Dave Filoni was one of the first people to see Iron Man. Oh, um, um, Fabra also had a cameo in uh, Clone Wars, didn't he? Oh yeah, in Clone Wars, yeah. Um, he's a Mandalorian. Um, 
and we'll we'll save that for another discussion another time um and i mean his voice is also in mandalorian as uh yeah you know the the big yeah, mandalorian the big with the blue armor his name is paz ren or not ren uh vizsla excuse me the an ancestor of the the person he portrayed in Clone Wars. Uh, I'm not ancestor, predecessor. Regardless, like, I love the Mandalorian, what they brought in with Grogu, and having that complete surprise going into that. I mean, I was watching the leaks and everything leading up to that because I was curious. Nobody saw that coming. Holy crap. It was beautiful. What, the Grogu? Yeah. And, yeah. um... An expensive piece of equipment to, to keep secret. So expensive. I mean... That first puppet, they, I think they were saying it was like four or five million dollars. Five. Yeah. With Mandalorian, I don't know. It, it's just so good. Um, first season, again, is like that new expansion of Star Wars. It's just beautiful. And um, I love the progression that we see in Din Djarin or Mando, whatever you want to call him. Having that fear of droids, because I mean, when you. He grew up in the Clone Wars, getting attacked by the droid army, and Mandalorians coming to save him. And um, oddly enough, they were uh, Death Watch Mandalorians, so not even like the good Mandalorians at the time. Um, then he becomes, you know, a child of the Watch and culty and all that. But it's just so nice to see that that story progression of him starting to trust IG-11 and trusting other people and utilizing them and becoming a dad with this little creature that can't talk, but obviously trust him. I think it did a, a good service for, for characters that wear masks. Um, well, in like a lot of other characters in Star Wars wear masks, but you still see a face. You still see something there. And I mean, it's Star Wars. I mean, we have most perfect villain in probably cinema history in Darth Vader. You know exactly what Darth Vader was feeling. You mm -hmm. you knew the emotion and you knew the feelings there. I mean, it's nice to have him remove the helmet so he has that, that moment with his son. But how many times have you seen him... You know, you've seen some skin on Vader in Obi-Wan, you know, you see his eyes, you see his face, you see that they want to show you that it is Hayden Christensen. And... Well, and I think the other part that they're trying to portray is Vader still healing, like physically. I mean, he's never fully healed and he has to spend a lot of time in back to tanks. I mean, we see that in Rogue One, too. You see the back to tank with Vader in it. And I, I don't know. It's just that progression of Vader's never fully healed mentally, emotionally, physically from everything that went down in the prequels. Where were those tanks in in The Last Jedi? You remember Finn's suit, the water suit, where he gets he pulls himself up and the water's squirting yeah. all over the place like it's a comedy film, and then he's got there's like this little glass shield that's over him while he's healing, and it's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what? Is it only for Jedi's? Is that what those tanks are for? Because no, like I mean, they we do see it to Boba Fett like true in a tank, and and well, and, and I, you got Carrie Fisher it's... under that same that same machinery. You know, they put her in that little weird plastic dome that just kind of goes over the torso, and it's like I don't know, like even down to that detail, it felt like like a different route was taken unnecessarily. Um, yeah, well, and I think they were also trying to portray that technology had come along in the thirty years, but I mean, it's Star Wars. Who cares? Yeah. Everything's advanced. I just think the water suit was stupid, and that that's where. You know, BB-8 is like, uh, Finn, water, naked, blah, 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 and then look over and he's squirting water all over the place. And it's just like, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, this is supposed it, to be a dramatic moment. And it's like, you know, all he cares about is Ray, And it's like, oh, here we go. So, 
Uh, yeah. Going back to the Disney Plus, uh, yeah, I think with 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 the way that they're that they're portraying it, the certain people that they're choosing for these properties, um, they're showing a decent respect for it. I think that Obi Wan, uh, you know, it's it's been commented on already. Is is some of the action scenes that don't involve lightsabers are a bit lame. <laughs> the the I understand the scene where Leia, which me personally, I don't think the character should even be in the show, uh, but Leia running through the the forest trying to escape the the bad guys, uh, you know everybody's seen it, getting caught up on branches that are easily easily avoidable, um, you know Obi Wan and and Leia being held up at the checkpoint and and frantically trying to figure out how they're gonna walk past this fence that they could literally just walk around. Uh, there's uh, a lot of weird decisions that are made. Um, you know, we had the discussion on, on the lightsaber, the, the inquisitor saber being, you know, popped in half and then they're fighting. And then all of a sudden the saber is put back together on the floor. And then you went in and looked at, uh, you know, where the saber is and who has it. And Vader does have it complete in his hand at one point, but you don't see how it's put together. And, uh, the second, uh, ship in, in this most recent episode of Obi-Wan. Uh, you know, there's, there's that, um, the subversion it's, uh, it doesn't feel like George telling the story. Like I said, you know, it doesn't feel like yeah. George would have needed to do that. Well, but... and I, one thing I just want to comment on before we get too far on just with Disney plus in general, like with Rogue One and Rebels and, uh, and now Obi-Wan, they're handling Darth Vader exactly how I would want Darth Vader to be handled as the boogeyman. Literally, like when he's walking on Mapuzo and like Obi-Wan senses him and goes to look out the door and sees him and like he's just like walking down the street menacingly, murdering you know, people. casually murdering people, like <laughs> yeah, snapping yeah. people's necks and stuff and force choking them. And like that is the boogeyman that I always hoped and knew Darth Vader was. And I'm just so happy that they're handling him right. Yeah. Then we have literally Vader torturing Obi-Wan the way dragging that he, him like, the fire, yeah. dragging him through the fire. I think there was and, a, a comic oh, a comic book, right? That had that. He dreams where, about it. Like that's literally yeah. what he dreams about is, is being on that other end of the situation on Mustafar, uh, where, you know, he's watching Obi-Wan burn and, uh, and just kind of, uh, basking in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a callback to that. Uh, there's the, there's a lot of callbacks, you know, but going back to Mando, I think we could both agree that Grogu is insane good choice of marketing <laughs> it's like oh 100 oh my god like i don't think a character has been marketed like that successfully in so long you know like it it took disney uh quite a while for mickey to be you know where grogu ended up overnight you know and with well and that's the thing it was such a bold decision because i mean john favreau told the marketing people that they can't have any digital files of grogu until after the show was released so it, it took months for products to be announced and shipped i have with grogu i have the first concept image of grogu i actually had it put on a uh, on a on a canvas print and I, I gave it nice. to, to my fiance for like Christmas or something like that. It was one of the yeah. gifts. But yeah, that first picture where he's kind of sitting and he's standing in, in the desert and you could see uh, the ship in the background and it's just kind of like an artist rendition of it. But yeah, it was after the show had been released. Uh, and that was like the only image that popped up. There were no Funko Pops. There were no toys. There were no clothes. There were no 
uh, uh-huh. no comics. There were no stickers. There was no nothing. There was no marketing yeah. at McDonald's or 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 uh, Best Buy or what have you. There was nothing. And, yeah, uh, you were kind of scrounging at that time. I remember that. And that's why I I had that picture frame because it was like the first you know the first picture to squeeze out of of what they were doing when they were making it and. Uh, you know, it might yeah. be a little bit hokey, but she loves the character, and it's a cute character. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I remember after it got released, and they they finally had that first, like, little stuffed animal, or not stuffed animal, but stuffed Grogu with the, the hard head. My niece wanted that so bad. I remember having to go to several different stores to find it and to, to get it for her. And then, like... They were always sold out, and it wasn't for like a year before I got one for myself because it just took so long for because people would just buy them constantly. Like, and I mean, now I have it as a Christmas decoration, eating an elf on the shelf. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I pre-ordered the first Funko Pop when it released. Yeah, I mean, I have uh, the it's like the deluxe Funko Pop of Mando and Baby Yoda, like f- with him floating in the little egg carrier. You know, it's one of my favorite things. But with Grogu, Mandalorian, and I mean, ultimately what they do in season two, I just they just do such a good job. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about like having all the cameos that in season two. I mean, I, I felt like they were expanding so much and they kind of like kept, like plateaued on the expanding for a while. I loved the fact that they brought in Bo-Katan from Clone Wars and having Katie Sackhoff portray her. This perfect the vo- original voice actor and katie sackoff is just a she's a great person really like what she does um then like let's talk about luke you want to talk about luke oh luke yeah i mean i've seen that scene tons of times uh, i like to watch it's people's beautiful. reactions to it and i like i like all of it um i think the way that they the thing with mandalorian and and even though they they tapped into the member berries pretty pretty hard uh it's it's handled by somebody and or people that that respect it you can yeah. tell it's not being it's not necessarily being used uh it's 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 being utilized to give people what they want and um i think even the most cynical fan can can pull some some enjoyment out of watching luke uh tear through the hallway i think this the music for that 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 portion was a bit too somber uh, mm-hmm. but, but his his intro was pretty epic um you do get to see master luke in in his full glory and uh yeah it was pretty obvious to me the second that the X-wing showed up. It was oh, not, it was hundred yeah, percent obvious. I was and, and to watch the speculation on people's faces when they're watching that scene, uh, it's a bit concerning. For me, the second they said, uh, you know, X-wing, oh, yeah, or it's a single X-wing. I was like, that's that's Luke. It has <laughs> to be Luke. Luke. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's no one else in my mind. It could have been and. Like, there was still that anticipation, like, we don't see his face, is it really Luke, but you knew it's Luke, and then you see his lightsaber, and... You, I love the black like, Jedi everything outfit. Everything is love it. just right with the world at yeah. that moment, and it's just, I don't know. I, it's that, like, I, I, got, I got Anakin vibe when he walks in, right, into frame, you oh, know, you get that 100%. rear view, it's like, oh, it's like, it's immediately conveying to you that this is a Skywalker, right, and it's like... The confidence and stride it it was very intentional and it was like the the person the people that were involved in, in making those decisions understood that they were they were amping up this scene you know they were they were slowly increasing that knob for people that were aware of what was going on because it's like mm-hmm. all right here it comes like you're ready you know and well exactly and 
I mean, also, just to add into this, I, I feel like they did a really good job of portraying the Dark Troopers. That's Are they Dark I'm Troopers or Death them. Troopers? Or, no, what was... They're not, they're so not Death Troopers. There's so um, many now. <laughs> the the Sith Trooper is another one that it's like, what? Yeah, but I think they're called Dark Troopers. Um, in Rebels, there's... um like phase one dark troopers but they're they're still robots that character called thrawn i don't know how much you know about thrawn i'm aware um, uh, i i know the imagery i know the the yeah. importance of the character but i don't know the character yeah he, thrawn is by far one of my most favorite star wars characters we'll talk about that another time but um thrawn like as training fights these robotic dark troopers and i think they're called dark troopers i could be wrong don't hate me if i'm wrong so I, I think that's what they're called. And I, I, can't, I can't remember if Moff Gideon says Dark Troopers or what he says. But, you know, the big black Robotic battle droids, essentially. Droids, yeah, yeah. I mean, Din Djarin struggles to take out one. And mm -hmm. then, like, the impact of Luke literally just wiping the floor with him and just having complete control of the situation. What? Like, he lets one shoot right at him with... And he's just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm, a, I'm dodge, not going to die. Dodge reflect. Yeah, it's yeah. my thing was, is I, I could have sworn I do need to rewatch those episodes. Uh, there was just a lot to catch up. But um, yeah. I could have sworn that there was a line of dialogue in there that stated that the troopers were they aggro the most dominant threat. Yeah, Gideon does say that. He does say that. Right. So it's like it's like they they backed off that door because something more powerful entered the arena, you know? And, like, that in itself should have been been clarification enough, you know? Well, exactly. Then the other thing that I felt was really pointing to Luke Skywalker is the second they said it's a single X-Wing, Moff Gideon looked scared. He, didn't, he looked in control and, yeah. like, confident until that point. Mm -hmm. When knows. single X-Wing came out, he knew exactly who he it knows. was. He knew exactly who it was. And he was... He was deathly afraid of that. Yeah. And I mean, that's why he tried to kill himself because he didn't want to face Luke. Yeah. Like, anyways. Good scene. Again, I just. Touching. Very, very, very rough at the yeah. end of that scene. Um, You know, and that, that goes to show you. I mean, I don't think a single person that I saw in terms of like reaction videos and, and, and uh, just general commentary about that scene didn't get choked up at the end of that because it's like, what is Mandalorian? Oh, I how for sure. You know, like how, how's this story going to be told? How are they going to pick it off? Like, I don't even want to. I don't even want to enjoy this show without that character. Now, whether or not yeah. that was remedied intentionally through Boba Fett or if that was originally the plan to begin with, uh, that's probably yeah. what we should end up talking about. But before we do that, yeah. let's talk about Gideon and the Darksaber. Yeah. Okay, so I I don't... I mean, there's Gideon is a whole new character for Star Wars um, being introduced to Mandalorian. The dude, like, obviously has done some stuff. And, I mean, we see it in Season 2 where he he's the one in charge of destroying Mandalore. Who did he kill to get that? I mean, in Rebels, so we know who last had it, and that was Bo-Katan. And, um, I mean, did he steal it? Did he, what did he do to get that? And what dishonor did he bring on Bo-Katan? Because she obviously gets some shade, a lot of shade, from um, the armor. Um but it's just like the dude has done some stuff, crazy stuff. I don't know if he's force sensitive, but he knows how to to handle that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we see Din struggling it with in season two, and like training with it, and still struggling so bad to control it. I think there's more story to be told with Moff Gideon. We know he's going to be in season three. There's been some rumors and suggestions by 
some of the actors that there's going to be like a jailbreak of Gideon and there's going to be there's going to be stuff going down. Who knows how that will pan out? I'm excited. I, I feel even if he's gets freed again, there's more confrontation. I, I, I'm really glad they didn't bring in some known person to mm-hmm. fill his role because there's mysteriousness there yeah. there's the the element of the unknown we know he was involved most likely in the republic uh army and or i guess it would be navy and then went into the empire and now is with the remnant and uh i'm just really interested to see what they develop for him moving forward you know it's just something about them not being like unique you know it's like i just i i like the 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 wide variety of of alien species that you have in, in star Wars and how anybody can be a, a Sith or a, uh, a Jedi. You have so many, yeah. such a variety, you know, and whenever I see a character that's introduced that it's just a person in, in an outfit, it's kind of boring, you know? And well, I don't know. That's just, I think that's more of like a, like a subconscious thing for me personally, where it's just like, well, this person's not that interesting. And that, that right there when, and you know, uh, we'll get into Obi-Wan here in a minute, but uh, the sacrifice of the Grand Inquisitor for for Riva, which to me, because of that in particular, had already been perceived as a more boring character for me, uh, was kind of disheartening because I did like the Grand Inquisitor's his feel, you know, his vibe. Uh, I mean, to your point, I don't think they could have done an alien character for Moff Gideon. The Empire was completely um, alien, or not anti-alien, but I mean, you ha- it was... Humans only in the the Empire military. You could have, you get a little wiggle room. It's like you have you have the Inquisitors. She's the only one that's that's not and some type of alien creature, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, in we have the second sister uh, from Fallen Order, who mm-hmm. is also human, and there's a, maybe one or two others that are human that we see in comics or in later comics. I, I mean, I really. I don't pay too much attention to the comics right now. There's just so much of it coming out. And so the second sister and third sister are both human. So the, the one from fallen order than Riva. Um, but I mean, the grand inquisitor is, um, yeah. Speculated to be from Utapau, which we've seen, uh, revenge of the Sith. Then we have, I mean, I don't know what the, the other inquisitor, where she's from and, uh, Obi-Wan, but she, she looks great. I like the, the characterization, the outfit that she has and mm-hmm. the alienness. I don't know what to say, but then the fifth brother, he shows up in rebels and we, we know his fate. I don't, I don't know if you've seen all the way through rebels or no, much of rebels, but much of rebels actually, I don't want to go into too much without you seeing that, but I, I, I love what they're doing with the inquisitors having basically the pawns of the Sith. And, yeah. Um, and I could see how people get a little bit upset about how they've diverted away from some of the designs and stuff like that. Grand Inquisitor's design doesn't have the black uh, shading under his eyes and, and all I that. I mean, but, he yeah, does. It's, it's just good. not as it's, um, it's prominent. It's pretty black, black than the other, you know, the cartoon representation of it. Um, yeah, but I mean... Pretty morbid that, looking. That's, yeah, but here's the thing. In the cartoons, it, to or the, the characters that have come into live action, there's always been some type of difference. And vice versa. What? And vice yeah. versa. You know, it's like there's always slight differences. And it should be it totally passable for me when I saw the characters' original forms and what they ended up as. Oh, 100%. Totally fine. Like, totally fine. Like, within and the wheelhouse. And, I think, and I, I think that should always be the case, that there should be 
a difference between the animated version and the live action version. I, I, I always want to keep those separate in my brain for some reason. I don't know if that's just a me thing or if that just feels right um, yeah. to other people, but I really like what they did with the Grand Inquisitor still. I And the fifth brother, because he looks different. He looks a little more thick than the portrayal in Rebels. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I really like what they are doing with that anyways yeah to finish off the 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 gideon and dark saber i mean i i like seeing the dark saber i think it's a, a it's not a deep cut as it used to be uh you know it's cool to see that that little bit of variety i liked it yeah well i mean the the dark saber was created by um the first mandalorian jedi mm-hmm. um grogu will be the next most likely mm-hmm. but um I, I can't remember his first name but it's a Vizla, and so like the the blue armored big uh, Mandalorian, he's a Vizsla. So like, I mean, I think he even that saber lo- belongs to my family or something like that, or that weapon belongs to my family. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's true. Um, he's a a direct descendant of someone, the person that created it. But I I love the fact that it's so different and it truly unique. And between the blade and everything else, it it truly fits what. Mandalore, or like what it means to be Mandalore. I don't know. There's just something about the blade, the way they showed the blade. It kind of feels like they dampened it a little bit so that they could sell this dark saber at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just something. About I know. It. I know what you're going at, and um, I mean between the, the I mean the dark saber saber sounds different than any other lightsaber. Mm-hmm. It it's definitely unique in the blade shape out of any other lightsaber. There's that like the black core instead of having the white core. I mean, it's completely unique, but there is that extra aura that is in the Clone Wars, and um, it's not as prevalent in Rebels, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, but it is present. Um, I feel like they could have made that a little more obvious. Yeah. You see it in the show, yeah. You see it when they're clashing and stuff like that. I'm I'm happy to see it. I'm not not complaining. I'm happy to see the Darksaber. And you can see the crackle. It's just so subtle. Yeah. While it's so prevalent in Clone Wars, I wish they would have done more with that. I would think that actually the majority of my, my issue with it is the initial scene where he punctures the side of the, the, the tie fighter um it coming out of the side of the tie fighter just kind of it's uh-huh. like i knew what that moment was i thought it was it was sick regardless but it was like eh. <laughs> you know like eh. it's star wars yeah. they could have done a little bit better but i think all in all it was still good and the fact that you can buy the hilt at galaxy's edges is, is pretty sick yep uh so you know i don't mind the character being i not a big fan of them kind of just dumping new characters in for stories to be built around uh, but I get it. I, I think if, if they're going to do that, it'd be best to just kind of stray away from this Tatooine storyline, this Luke Skywalker storyline, uh, and, and introduce new characters that you can get behind. And, and, you know, it's like, I know the Grand Inquisitor, he's going to have a role to play, but his role was specifically to be a secondary antagonist in the series of Obi-Wan. You know, it's like, yeah, that and, character I mean, introduced in like an old Republic type setting. It's like, okay, so this person's going to be a consistent thorn in everybody's side, you know. And it's like you're you're wanting to see their development, and you're wanting to see, you know. And, and my issue with with uh, with some of these new characters is that they're kind of just thrown in there. They're not really like fleshed out. Um, yeah, you should really watch Rebels. The Grand Inquisitor. I, I mean the. He has good backstory in it. He is a great villain in that. 
Yeah, he's cool. I like that. I like the way he looked. I like the way he talked. Yeah. I like the way he upheld himself. It was just a, like, oh, okay, so we're getting back to like a Dooku type of, of vibe, you know? It's like this this uh, very confident type of individual. And then he gets yeah. poked. <laughs> well, God, like, yeah, no. he gets poked, but everybody knew he doesn't back. die. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's just, let's finish up the, uh, the 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 Gideon Dark Saber. My opinion, it's cool. It was it was completely uh, appropriate. Uh, it, yep. it fits with Mandalorian. It's cool to see Mandalorian or Mando have the dark saber. Uh, I liked his his staff, but you know it was melted down. I know that the armor is pushing along the Mandalorian story, but her being so adamant that they can't have this the staff of Beskar mm-hmm. that kind of bothered me a little bit. The not a, not a lot of the Mandalorians in Clone Wars had spears, but they had like pikes type deals, mm-hmm. like double sided pikes, um, and it was the Royal Guards specifically that had them, and not just the security units. The security units had a shield, and what would be like a just a beat down stick that like cops have. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, but when it comes down to uh, injecting these characters that you know already, uh, you know we get a lot. In Boba Fett, uh, Boba Fett halfway through that season, it like it like it liked to take a ninety degree turn and head off back to Mando, and and the story got kind of hijacked. And you get Luke, you get Ahsoka, you get Mando, you get baby, you know Baby Yoda, Grogu, uh, you know you get uh, all kinds of member berries. Yeah, is that a I mean, good thing? I mean, they're trying to create this integrated story, and I I don't I don't know if them calling the Mandalorian show. The Mandalorian and Boba Fett show, Boba Fett or Bucket Boba Fett, and whatever they're going to call the Ahsoka show, or if it's just going to be Ahsoka, I don't know if that's the right approach to it. Because if if they're going to be doing all this interweaving, they're I mean it's very Clone Wars esque in that department, like where you have major storyline arcing, then you have all these little interweaving things where we're going to get Mando. You're like we better get, and I, I'm assuming we're going to get. Mando and Grogu and Ahsoka show, and we're gonna get Ahsoka back in. And I mean, when they announced all of these extra shows beyond the Mandalorian, they did say that there was going to be a culmination of all of these shows into this big event. And we can talk about what that big event will be another time. Um, I have some speculation. I have some hopes for that. Well, it's the holiday um, show, obviously. No, uh, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Star Wars Christmas Part Two. No. No, no. What they've, I mean, they've done the Lego holiday or Lego Christmas or whatever it was. That's perfectly acceptable, and I they really did some uh, poking at the original holiday special, which yeah. I appreciated because that's such a piece of work. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, my wife and I tried to watch that a couple years ago. Like I made her sit down and watch it with me, and like we could not finish. It'll ruin like, Star Wars for you. Oh, it's just so bad, <laughs> and. Anyways, it is what it is. Oh, it's part of yeah. history. But anyways, I, I going back to like my what I was talking about. I I don't know if having these shows be truly independent on their own is the right way because they're going to be doing so much integration with. It's really this big storyline that they're breaking into multiple parts, and like I said, they're going to be interweaving, and I think that's the right approach to what they're they're wanting to accomplish. But the like I said, the naming thing is what I think throws people off a lot. I mean, when Book of Boba Fett was announced at the end of season two, you know, that last little sequence, 
all of the talk at that point was, oh, like from legitimate sources where there's going to be interweaving between the different shows. And I think that is the right approach to having these stories being told. It's all culminating into this big story um, that's in between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And it's a big story. And I, there's, I, I'm excited for what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean... I, when 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 Book of Boba Fett was announced, I hit it with a little bit of cynicism, just because it was just another character that some some gymnastics had to be done to get him back into. You know, I understand that there's comic books, whether or not you have these stories, these novels, these comic books, these everything that Disney apparently negated, and are now cherry picking things to pull back in. And I think that has caused an issue with how certain fans are perceiving the story they're being told to a certain mm -hmm. extent. It's not like my favorite approach to it because it's, it seems somewhat unreliable and, and so much effort went into creating this, these backstories and, and people are so familiar with it that, you know, you do have people in, in basic conversations like we're having where it's hard not to mention things that uh, were once perceived as just the truth, you know, how things were and, yeah, and and all this this data that you've accumulated over decades uh, to be negated and then cherry picked after uh, it makes it a little bit weird and and it's just the way that they're bringing in the characters. I think as long as the people that are responsible doing it are respectable uh, to the source material, then it's fine. Not a big fan of seeing Luke again. Not a big fan of Ahsoka just chilling with them. Um, well. I can get it. I understand. I, There's narrative lines to lead to that conclusion. And I, I'm you know what I'm most sad about that. I'm I'm not sad that Luke and Ahsoka were around. I love that she said like I'm a family friend or something like that. What I'm sad about is we didn't see the initial introduction of them and say like in saying who Ahsoka was to Anakin and having that conversation of what that meant. I know. Dave Filoni has said that he knows what that conversation, like how that took place and what that will, would look like. He just doesn't know how to tell that story yet. And I'm, ex I'm excited for that. I think for the, in, the vision that they have, I think they needed to have Luke there. They needed to have that, those training sequences to, to show Grogu's progression and where he's coming along and having that, that unlocking moment of his memory of um, being the, the temple again. And I think those are valuable things for the overall story and not necessarily the book of Boba Fett story. I mean, I'm assuming in Mandalorian season three, we're going to see have another Ahsoka prominent thing like we did with episode five of Mandalorian season two, or we might get a book or a Boba Fett episode or um, in Ahsoka, we might see a, a Mandalorian prominent episode. I think that's the way that they should do it, to have that intertwined story, to have um, the connectivity that they have in Marvel in Star Wars. I, I, I want that, and I think that's what we need. But I just want to talk a little bit about, about Boba Fett. Well, I got a I question real quick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does having the resolution to a cliffhanger from a different show be resolved uh cheapen the impact of that season finale of mando season two does it cheapen the impact question. of the return of that show by sacrificing the impact of that scene that is a great question and i i don't think so i don't feel so at least 
I feel... Um, Can you watch I Mando feel, without watching Boba Fett now? Based on what they are doing with the story, again, I and what I'm really trying to convey here is they're creating one story, and it's taking forms of the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and whatever shows that they bring into this, it's all one story. If you miss one part of it, if, so if you don't watch Book of Boba Fett, you're missing a chunk of the story, and that's ultimately on the viewer. That is frustrating and, to some. Not me, personally. I like that type of stuff. That's actually why I'm a big fan of Marvel, but it is yeah. frustrating to people that just want to watch a show and want to enjoy something. Um, it can be frustrating, yeah. and it does sacrifice but, certain certain viewership uh, because some people yeah. don't have that, that disposable time to hop from show to show just to kind of keep in line. If, if the random person were to fire up Mandalorian, be like, oh my god, this show's great, second season, epic, and then hopping into the third season... It's going to be so jarring to be like, wait, what? Why are they together? What's going on? Like, what is this? And then they have to go watch the recap and be like, where did this scene happen? And then it's like, oh, this is a different show? What? It's it's a bit weird. That goes back to what I was saying. I I think the approach they are taking is the right approach. And that's why I don't feel like the... What happens in the last episode of season two is taking away or that impact is taken away or anything. I feel like the the naming convention of the the way that they're doing the shows could be different to sh- to show that it is one story it is one trajectory that they're going on so i feel like that that could be better but i i don't think it's cheapened i don't think that mando or dinjarin and grogu being separated is cheapened in any way you better believe the beginning of mandalorian season 3 that there's going to be a recap or it's going to show previously on Mandalorian yeah, previously yeah. on Book of Boba Fett and that will give like the the needed information that people that only want to watch Mandalorian what they need and an opportunity to go oh I should probably go watch Book of Boba Fett to see what I missed there or what what else did I miss there and ultimately Disney needs to make money via viewership so and then those people are going to go over and watch Boba Fett and see some floating ugly ass scooters bopping around yeah 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 well <laughs> good god um oh, I'm, I'm not disagreeing but <laughs> again I I feel like the uh, their approach to the storytelling is correct and it doesn't there's no cheapening of what's been done so far I do feel like there should be some type of overall naming convention to the shows to to really point to the fact that it is one storyline. That's just my opinion. Um, What are your thoughts? I'm a bit cynical. I think that if you're going to dip and pull a character, um, it's, it's gotta be for like the right reasons. And I think Boba Fett in particular felt uh, unwarranted. Uh, Like I was talking about earlier, I do know that there was uh, a novel or a comic where it explicitly detailed how Boba Fett escaped uh, the Sarlacc pit and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but I know you're a big fan of the actor. It's just, you know, he didn't look like Boba Fett. He looked like he looked like somebody at a, at a cosplay event, Comic-Con, dressed as Boba Fett, you know. Well, I mean. Uh, doing he, their best. Yeah, I mean, we know, like, okay, real quick. I just want to talk about how we got Book or how we got Boba Fett again. I mean, are you a Parks and Rec fan? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have the episode where Patton Oswalt does like a yeah. filibuster. Yeah, how to connect the, the Marvel and was it the connect the Marvel and Star Wars universes and 
all that shit. Yeah, but he specifically says and like talks about Boba Fett reaching through the sand and is still alive. <laughs> yeah. I just find that hilarious <laughs> that like that's how we see <laughs> Boba escaped the Sarlacc as he punches out of the sand and crawls his way out. It was out. 100% was... real. He wrote that, oh. and he he went on for, like, hours or something. Like it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was 100% Patton Oswalt. What a nerd. Anyway, I just wanted to plug that just because it, it's just yeah, it's great. It was funny. I mean, but... it, was, it wasn't out of the out of the nowhere, too. That, that, that concept had pretty much existed. Uh, I yeah. do remember seeing something where it did show or explicitly detail, like, how he dug his way out this show i mean whatever you know it's it's cool to see the sarlacc pit again and all that but again it's the member berries of going back to that moment that you remember uh to to bring back the character that you remember uh, well in in legends and i mean it's been hinted at over and over and over in canon that boba is most likely alive um so the fact that he shows up I think I mean, my issue in, is that after all of that, this is what you get. You get like four episodes of Boba Fett being kind of lame, uh, getting well, his ass yeah. kicked, and then they segue into another show, and <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Then you come back at the end, well, there's a little yeah. bit of a bow, and then you get Rancor, and then that's that's the end of that. Yeah. I, I feel like they could have done Boba Fett better. We've talked about this in the past, how, you know, um, like in... The episode of Mandalorian, Boba Fett re- like reclaims his armor. He looks a little, you know, tubby for Boba Fett. He's a lot of shape. Boba Fett's a pretty small guy, actually. If you look in the original film, this is a skinny dude. Oh, hundred percent. Jeremy, I think it's Jeremy Bullock. He's yeah. a skinny dude. He's pretty skinny. Um, he got a little bit of a guy, I think, but you know, he was a, a lengthy guy. You know, the yeah, armor looked but, good on him because it was a bulkier armor. You know. Yeah, but like. With Tamara Morrison coming back, I, I I feel like they purposely like left you know with him a little bit like almost like a beer gut almost and everything like I I felt like it was right for the most part but the the thing that I, I really appreciated about that episode is Boba Fett was just kicking butt like that is exactly what we all envision and hope for when we think about Boba Fett. It's like, you know, him shooting stuff out of his kneecap, like using all of the different gadgets and just looking completely. That also might be an issue with with my perception of the character is that Mm -hmm. you had very little to work with in our youth of Boba Fett. You know, you you see the appearances. There's a couple words he says being smooth with the ladies and then he falls down a pit. Uh, Yeah. Very boringly, you know, just falls, falls into a pit and he's gone. Um, so growing up, you know, you're you're looking at these these video games. Um, I think there was a Boba Fett uh, level in in Shadows of the Empire. Might be mistaken. I I'm pretty sure there was. Um, then you know, me personally, you have Battlefront. Um, I didn't play Battlefront to the original as much as I did like Pod Racer and and um, and uh, Rogue Squadron and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I man. played the hell out of the new Battlefront too. You know, that's a pretty decent representation of what the, how that character gets down. You know, and yeah. um, I, I, I don't know. In my head, I see Boba Fett kind of controlling a fight uh, from a slight distance, partially in the air, utilizing tops of buildings. You know, uh, long range shots, the the uh, the rocket on his back. Um, you know, and you do get a bit of that, but. 
it didn't have like commanding presence, you know, like he was like, oh, okay, Boba's here, you know, like he's going to like run this, this, this moment, you know, he's going to take, take charge. Uh, he was kind well, of just like I... fighting and fumbling through it. And, you know, the, the shield scene was preposterous where they all get like pinned by the shields and stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and, but that goes back to what we see of him in the Mandalorian episode. He's kicking butt, taking names. He's in control of the situation. Then we don't really see that again mm-hmm. in the Book of Boba Fett. We see this broken man who's still healing from every, all that he went through with, between the Sarlacc and then the Tuscans, and he's fragile. And it, it just doesn't make sense from what we saw in Mandalorian, again, in my opinion. That's my, my personal opinion is that it just didn't live up to like how I wanted to see Boba Fett. And also, I mean, yeah. same thing with, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll segue right into Obi-Wan. That's another issue with, it's like, I just got done seeing a beloved character be frail and, and inadequate and, and struggling to be the, 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 the character they used to be. It's like, yeah. I did not want to see Obi-Wan do that. And, and there are certain, well, you know, it's like, yeah, he ran in the scene. I saw, you know, everybody saw it. I understand. He looked over his shoulder cause he was conveying to the audience that he is intentionally distracting Vader to pull him away from uh, the other people. And, yeah. you know, it's whatever. I I understand. And that's the thing is, like, I get everything that they're trying to tell me. I just don't like it. And, like, that yeah. was... And, and I do like Obi-Wan. Uh, I, I mean, Ewan McGregor is sick. I love Hayden Christensen being back. I'm here for the boys. You know, this was the youth we were talking about. I love seeing those scenes. Yeah. The, the Vader fight scenes are sick. Obi-Wan... Um, you know, a little bit of his, of his Clone Wars flair. Um, but you know, going back to like episode three, the level of intensity that he was fighting with in, in that, in that movie, that's not something you just forget, dude. Like the precision and, and aggressiveness and just flow. It's like, I haven't golfed in, 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 in quite a while, but I guarantee you if I picked up a golf club right now. I could still swing it. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. To, to, and to lessen his abilities to convey that you're supposed to be concerned for his well-being because he's detached from the force and that he's frail and older. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hit right with me because it's only been 10 years, you know? And it's like, you look at that, you look at that precision in episode three and it's so like, watch Ewan McGregor, in that film and his movements are so clean and so choreographed and so precise and perfect that it's like to see him run away and it's like, yeah, it's been a while, but I mean, you know, he's getting his ass kicked. He can't even, he can't even parry properly. He's the flares not there. There's the poses aren't there. He does that little twirl. Uh, I get it. You know, that's supposed to be that moment where you say, Oh, he's coming back a little bit, but those are intentional tugs on your heartstrings and like, I don't want to see oh, yeah. that. I want it to be naturally pulled out because I'm seeing him, you know, he's, he's a little bit rusty, but it's still Obi-Wan, you know? And it's like, I don't got that. It's still Obi-Wan. It's like, it's, it's like Luke. It's like Boba Fett. It's the same thing where it's like, you have these characters that have, have, uh, have lost it. And, and, and you're watching them get it back a little bit as they make a slight influence on this grand story. And uh, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that for Obi-Wan. Um, I didn't like it for Boba Fett. And uh, with Luke, I mean, that was solely episode, uh, what was that, eight? Yeah. You know? So let me let me put my spin on this. I feel like with Luke and Boba Fett, 100% wrong. I feel like with Obi-Wan, 
I feel like after everything he went through with losing his apprentice to the dark side, losing every single person he's ever cared about in moments, of course he's going to be he's going to be downtrodden. He's going to be a, he's going to be scared to use the force. He's going to not want to be found out to protect Luke. So I I feel like this where he's at in the series is where I would be expecting him to be at this point in time. I feel like the this is out of any of the the broken man stories, this is the one to tell. I feel like in the next episode we're going to see Obi-Wan back at peak Obi-Wan. He's going to have be back in tune with the Force enough to like have all of those Obi-Wanisms completely there again. He's going to be what we we want and expect from him. And you're talking about this upcoming episode or are you talking about in, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And know, no no time left, dude. I mean, it's it's like even if they did do it, it'd be like just giving a dog a bone, you know. But, and, you know, that might be the different. case. They didn't want to give us the Clone Wars flashbacks, which I I was here for. I'm, I demanded it. It's like, okay, so you got Ahsoka, you got Hayden Christensen back, which is crazy. And then you got Ewan McGregor back, who has minimal involvement because he wants, you know, most likely to be on the big screen, much like uh, Qui-Gon. I think we're still going to, there's an opportunity still to see a Clone Wars flashback. I think, I don't know. I think that there's That's what still I was here opportunity. For, I don't want, I don't oh, want, I know, now I know. it's going to be shoehorned. Like I wanted to see a couple flashbacks, some character development, the the ties between the three, uh, you know, harken back to the, the, the Clone Wars to bring in those people. You get a, a live action representation of, of maybe a fight that you've already seen, but in live action. And you're just like, oh my God, you know, you see them yeah. in the battle armor, you see them out there slicing up, but we haven't gotten that. The flashback is, is, is him slicing younglings. Uh, I know <laughs> I made the comment off, uh, off air, uh, but the close up on Hayden Christensen's face in one of those scenes was like laughable with, and I was looking at it uh, after seeing that scene uh, when Anakin goes into uh, the council or the, the, uh, the temple and he's slaughtering the, the kids and all that. There's, there's just a general difference in how he's presented as, as a character, you know, and, and the way yeah. that it was portrayed in the show, um, it literally looked like they just threw a blanket over Hayden Christensen. Um, and this is getting nitpicky, but I mean, look at that scene and compare it to like kind of how, how dark and epic that scene was in the original, uh, film. It has like a blue light on his face. I mean, it's his, it's his lightsaber, but you see a lot of his neck. He's obviously skinnier. His hair is not as long. So they're covering it up as much as they can. And it just, it doesn't, it's just certain things like that, where I, I think they could have, they could have done a little bit more, you know, it's like throw in the yellow eyes, uh, bring back the exact outfit that he was wearing instead of whatever the hell that was. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, Anakin's, uh, uh, cloak, you know, you know, his robe, um, it's different from, from the other Jedi and not only just because it's black, it has a lot of creases in the hood. It has a uh, big shoulders. Um, you know, his outfit in that film, uh, was partial leather. He had the leather, uh, kind of sash that was going over it, which typically, you know, uh, the tunics will, will be just your fabrics, uh, and, and different varying colors of beige and, and black. But, uh, you know, he had this stature to him in that film and they didn't really try that hard on that scene. So I just, I recommend going and checking that scene out. And it's like, if you watch it right after 
or, or, or vice versa, you watch uh, that original scene, it's like, it was a little iffy. Like, I probably would have been better if they just left it out. No, and I, with that particular thing, I think you're right. Like, I, cause I mean, when I was watching that series of shots, um, looking up for the lightsaber that we talked about, how it got split in two and how it got back together, that shot that you're talking about is in there. And, you know, he, he looks like old Hayden. He looks like short hair. He looks good. And hey, he it, looks good it, for his age. He looks good. He looks fine. But, a little bit of wrinkles. But He's it, got the, the the crow's feet. <laughs> He's got the crow's yeah. feet going on, and it's noticeable. 100%. But it, they could have put more effort into a, his appearance in just that, that shot. Just that flashback. And, I'm, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, and again, I'm here for Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. Uh, they are the Jedi's of my youth, you know. So it's like, yeah. But again, this isn't Hayden's fault. Uh, no. This is costuming's fault. Costuming and and direction, just camera angle. If the if the the director of photography was the one responsible for that shot, the upward look, I get it. It's from the eyes of a child. There's a lot of murmurs on the internet and other reviews about the first scene of of the series uh, where the younglings are practicing Tai Chi for some reason, and then all of a sudden the camera gets this artificial shake. Uh, to convey yeah. that that hectic emotion, uh, when in reality it really doesn't make any sense and it's kind of goofy. Um, well, and the the camera doesn't need to do that. We already get that feeling because yeah. we know exactly what's happening. Just because when you see a bunch of younglings and like any Star Wars content <laughs> yes, now, so. you know what's about to happen. <laughs> true, like, true, true. Even yeah, when you see so them, like, even when you see them frozen in 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 I don't know orange goo or are are they dead? Or are they alive in that? Hallway? Oh, they're dead. Are they dead? They're dead. Yeah. They're there, dead. There's a youngling um, in there too. I mean, my, and, and so I that think I... youngling specifically is, um, they were able. So, okay. When see, or episode five, when they show the younglings a little more that were with Reva, he's one of those, like he's one of those like five younglings. He, he dead. He got murdered by Anakin dead. Yeah. And then, and then you have kind of, you know, any type of Disney product, when they have something like that, you can zoom in and start speculating as to who's who. And I know there's a particular uh, Jedi Master from, I think it's Clone Wars or Rebels that was in there that yeah. was predominantly yeah. shown. Uh, well, it, it's from Clone Wars. He's the he's predominantly the, the Jedi known for taking, like, Padawans on their first adventure to Ilum to get their crystals. And um, when it's not Yoda, at least, that's typically what it is. He's he's most, he's hundred percent dead. There's no way that they're still alive in that. It's not carbonite or anything else. They're they dead. It could be. You never know. And that's that's I think a, a portion of, of what I don't like about how they approach Star Wars is that they, they set up these uh these loose ends intentionally and, and if they fail to to answer them they just kind of move on and you know, is that a thing where it's like, oh, they break them all free and that's the beginning of the new you know, the new wave of Jedi and they were really out there all the time and the whole time and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I do know that um, after the fall of the Empire, after episode six, Vader's castle is raided, right? You said. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As well as the I mean, Inquisitor we also planet. see that in Rise of Skywalker, Kylo is like going to what used to be mm-hmm, Vader's mm-hmm. castle because it's destroyed at that point to get the little holocron that he uses to do the hyperspace jumping. You mean the, the, the Disney product that you can buy at Galaxy's Edge for thirty nine ninety nine? Those things are kind of stupid. I mean, I am fascinated with the, the dark crystal. I'd love to have a black crystal from Galaxy's Edge, but uh, they're all 
in favor of those of those holocrons. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, so I mean, going and keeping along with the discussion so that we can we can wrap it up here because this has been a little bit long. Uh, most recent episode of Obi Wan, uh, pretty epic. You know, you get a lot of 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 Vader Force usage. You get a lot of of epic Vader moments. Uh, a little yeah. bit of trickery with with the with the ship, kind of pulling a, a Chewbacca move from uh, what was it? Was it the uh, the Rise of Skywalker? I think it was. Well, it's um, not even a Chewbacca move. It was the First Order pull on that one. Yeah, what you're thinking of? Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, you get the there's just that scene where it's the the sleight of hand. Uh, a little bit lame. I had, I had, we had discussed after you know uh, off the show is uh, you know I feel that it could have been utilized as a means of of having Obi Wan tap in a little bit more to his power like maybe he's he's hanging off the side of the ship while it's trying to get away and and he's force fighting vader maybe pushes him away long enough to or is able to muster up the force enough to push him away and, and allow the ship to get away but uh they you know they opted for the the vader destroys things and and the ship squeezes away uh which yeah, regardless cool. it's an amazing scene yeah vader just being completely brutal with the force him completely dominating Riva in every aspect that she tries to pull on him. She he's miles ahead in force usage, lightsaber usage, everything. I mean, I I think you were just about to say how that I mean we both talked about this in the past or off the podcast. That second ship, we didn't notice the first time and it's like dimly lit kind of back in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I mean I think it's meant to be that way, so it's a surprise to us when we see that second ship just zoom out real quick, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's it's still the concept behind it is the sleight of hand type thing. I, I just think that it could have been used uh, story wise just a little bit more effectively. But yeah, uh, what you got was was pretty sick, and that that was what their aim was. They wanted to show off Vader uh, doing a little bit more uh, crazy shit. So yeah, but yeah. I think another point to that is, I mean, hundred percent. That was Obi-Wan thinking ahead, knowing that Anakin, his old Padawan, now Vader, was going to do something really brash. And because and the first thing that happened, and then would be either distracted or disappointed or not able to like realize exactly what was happening until it was too late, which is exactly what happened. So I think that is also pointing to what Obi-Wan was saying earlier in the show, or in that same episode, where he's like, hey, you don't always have to fight. Yeah. And I mean that's the Jedi way. Well, even going back to their relationship, you know, don't let emotions blind you. Uh, that yep, and that's exactly. Yeah, I mean, yep, I get it. That, that there's there's obvious. I mean, I'm just saying that for all that to happen and then see the other ship go off, it's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> you know, I thought I was like, oh, and now they're gonna have to like really figure this situation out. You know, they're they're stranded. When that first happened, I felt like, okay, we're gonna. This is where we're gonna get an epic duel between Obi Wan and Vader, and I, I'm I'm 99% sure we're gonna get that in the epi- next episode. Because well, I mean, in all of the the campaigning leading up to this, there's like, you know, there's going to be an epic duel between Obi Wan and Vader again, and it's gonna be this rematch. And I don't think Episode Three is that. I think that is Vader toying with his food, then gets interrupted. Oh yeah, I mean the whole, I mean everything about that was was clean, and then. Like we had discussed yeah. before, the way they're handling Vader is uh, relatively decent. Um, I think that uh, 
that it is kind of you know given off that that strong boogeyman vibe and even rogue one managed to do it pretty well that scene is 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 pretty sick um, yeah it's i mean it's it was intentional obviously i mean that's that that was their goal uh it wasn't just a byproduct of a cool character being in a cool scene it was like fabricated just like the luke scene uh in mandalorian it's fabricated to to give you that feeling that wasn't the case when they were making star wars originally those were just uh-huh. it was just how it came off you know that was the feeling that people got because of how cool it was uh now it's like they they need they know that they have a certain level of coolness that they got to keep up up with and uh they're doing their best to to deliver and uh the vader stuff is is definitely cool and i go as far yep. to say the luke stuff is pretty cool too uh, even though i am the more cynical of the two who uh, would much prefer that just a completely different storyline detached from the skywalker saga we're done with it we're off in the old republic or just the republic and we're dealing with new characters and more political stuff again back in the 90s and the, the early 2000s and yep. we can get back and- into that Going into that, I think, I mean, just this week, we've seen Taigai TT say that he's wanting to completely separate from existing Star Wars material and I, for his movie. And I appreciate that wholly. We both, I mean, I think you agree with that. I think Having I like that fresh expansion of Star Wars, wherever he takes it, if it's in the future or if it's in the past, doesn't matter. I think it's going to be really good. I think it's good if if Disney backs them up and and continues the pattern. Like if not, then yeah. it's just going to be you know a flash in the pan and and that's it. You know, it's it it was a one off story told by a, a quirky director, uh, and it is it's bound to be weird. It's going to be different, uh, and I'm sure it's going to cause a lot of issues in in the fandom uh, with the tone that it delivers. Um, but he's you a good writer. I like I like his directing. Oh, yeah. I like everything about Taika Waititi, but. Uh, as a Star Wars director, I mean, I think the closer though, you are to George, the better. And and the further away from you you get, the 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 more risk you run of of detaching fans from what they know and love from the franchise. I, yes and no. I think like they were trying to be serious about it. They were trying to do it their own way and um, like try to do Star Wars, you know, that serious tone. I don't think Taika is going to do that. I think he's going to, it's going to be a different feeling completely. It's going to be a different ballpark. It's going to be a different thing away from the Skywalkers. And I think that's going to be a fresh take on what Star Wars can be. And I'm looking forward to what he has in store for us, you know? Have you seen What We Do in the Shadows? Um, No, I have not. That is hilarious. <laughs> it's, his, it's his vampire movie. Of Basically, it's just like a like a documentary a faux documentary where it's a camera crew is following these this group of vampires and they're just existing in current day you know uh the current day environment and world and uh, Mm -hmm. it's it's taika waititi is one of them and then he directed it and wrote it and uh it's just it's a very witty and funny movie so i definitely recommend it i think it's it's not gory i mean there's a little gore but it's it's comedic in that i'll have to check it out uh, it, it might even be like a good, like, you know, watch with the chick film, uh, very witty, very funny, situational humor, very office like in, in, in how it's delivered, you know, office parks and rec, that type, uh, yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think overall, I think we're both pretty, pretty stoked on, on where it's going. Uh, I'm a little bit more cautious, uh, and we're talking about just the star Wars franchise in general, but a little mm-hmm. bit more cautious and cynical than you. I know that you, you gobble this stuff up. 
a little bit easier than I do. Me, I'm, I'm a little bit more, uh, I have a certain idea of where they, they should have gone with it when they took charge of the IP. Uh, and yep. instead they're kind of relying on what they know people would want. Uh, and I'm here yeah. for it, you know? Well, and I, I, I think I'm I'm definitely not someone that gobbles everything up because I have a lot of problems with the sequels, but I really like what they're doing with Disney Plus. And, uh, and for that matter, the standalone movies that they come out, I love Rogue One and I love Solo. Um, Do what now? And <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know about you Solo. You heard me. I don't know about Solo. We'll have a discussion on that one day, but okay. I don't know about Solo. But um i I really appreciate that especially now the attention to detail in the disney plus stuff i I mean john and dave i I truly feel like between the two of them they are the best thing that we could have had other than george doing himself i think they're gonna do wondrous things and i i i just hope that kathleen kennedy and um everyone else at lucasfilm can truly give them the space that they need to go places with it mm-hmm. I, I and I, I i think they're not i think kathleen kennedy is a smart person in the sense that she she's gone up the ladder she did work with george a lot and i think she she recognizes the talent that she has in those two people and won't let them go you know but, um, my my personal opinion about it is Kathleen Kennedy should just probably be removed from Star Wars uh, completely, I and don't Dave disagree. Filoni should take her position. And if he wants to get involved with projects and be the lead, uh, so be it. But I would much prefer him be in a shot caller position and regulating the quality that's getting put out because right now it is all over the place. It is yeah, so all I, over the place. And I don't disagree with that. I, I that's just I from a business she, perspective. It has nothing to oh, do with yeah, her yeah. or anything that she said or oh, done or anything. It's just like, there's some decisions being made that I I'm, I'm not a big fan of. And ultimately she's the one responsible. And Dave Filoni yeah. is the more capable of, of the people that could carry the torch. And he should well, be the one that's making the ultimate decisions for everything. And I, I, I think from the business point of view, um, I think John would be a better fit for that. Maybe. And Dave is much better on the creative side. Um, I don't know. I just think the creative aspect of it is, is the more important aspect of it. It's like well, I'm, Favreau is I'm, good at writing and keeping a story going and, and telling a very personal story that you can get attached yeah. to. Uh, but Filoni understands Star Wars. And like everything about star he's a nerd you know like he's a nerd to the core and if he wasn't involved with with lucas films he would still be an absolute nerd for this stuff uh, and that's the type uh-huh. of person that i want in charge 100%. Uh, not just making the films but also like making the decisions about the the tone of everything and and what <sighs> people should be allowed to get away with with the property and Agree, but I, I I think he should be the creative director where he is the end-all, be-all, like George was, with the co- other content that was coming out. I, I think that someone else on the business side should take place of Kathleen, like John, or, I mean, there's other going to be people that are going to be qualified to take that position that is going to give Dave and people like Taika and um, the other people that are putting like their heart and soul into star Wars, the room that they need to do it. Yeah. Um, that's what I want. I just want the people that we trust right now, which is Dave and John. I want them to be able to have the room that they need to make star Wars the best that it can be. Mm-hmm. I think the overall point is that nerds should be in charge of star Wars. hundred <laughs> percent nerds to begin with nerds to end. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to finish this show. 
Uh, we did not talk about everything we could possibly talk about. I'm sure that we can discuss more of this in the future. I think we should come back and talk more about Clone Wars and Rebels, uh, the impact that Heck they yeah. have, uh, a little bit more deep dive into the prequels and the original trilogy. Um, I didn't watch the original trilogy again because I've seen them so many times uh, that I was pretty confident in, in my opinion on them. Um, but oh. I do have some more content to watch myself, and I'm sure I'll have more questions. And, uh, you know, like like we said in the beginning of the show, this is just the opinions of two nerds sitting down chatting. Uh, we're going to be doing this every week, and we're going to be uploading it. And, you know, people can, can chat in the comments if it's on YouTube and, uh, you know, if it's on iTunes or, or Spotify or what have you. There's other ways to get involved with the, the conversation. But uh, we don't take this very seriously. Obviously, we love these properties. We wouldn't be spending hours on a weekend talking about them. Uh, and we do appreciate all the work that these people put into it, even though we might not be 100% agreeing on every decision that they make. Uh, we're still yeah. appreciative of a world with Star Wars. Uh, Agreed. And I mean, just to plug on that, I mean, I harp on the sequels a lot. I harp on I harp on a lot of Star Wars because I love it. I'm super grateful that we have Star Wars being created, not just in animation anymore. Like, we have mm -hmm. it in live action. We have it in cartoon form via the Bad Batch right now. This is a really good time for Star Wars, and it wouldn't have been possible without the people that are creating it. And it, I'm really grateful for that. They're doing a good job right now with the Disney plus stuff and our cup runneth over. Yes. So, uh, we want to say thank you to everybody that, you know, stopped by and sat with us for this couple hours or so of, uh, of the chit chat about star Wars. Uh, we do have a couple plugs that we want to squeeze in here, but you know, you can find this show on pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, we do have a Patreon set up. It's not a little, you know, it's a little bit presumptuous. Let's be real, but, uh, it's a matter of us having extra content that we can edit and have set aside for uh, people that want to support the show. So you can always head over there. All of our handles are Nerd Chatter Show at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, all that good stuff. Uh, links in the description of the YouTube video if you're watching this on YouTube. If not, you can head over to our official website at nerdchatter.com. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, next week we're going to focus on Marvel, mm -hmm. which um, we're going to swap roles a lot on that one. Uh, you're a lot more familiar with marvel than i am i mm -hmm. i mean i've seen all of the mc mcu movies i've seen the disney plus content for that but i i really never got into the comics so yeah. i'm looking forward to see what you have to say on that but um you know and i was just a 90s yeah. kid who liked the cartoons like the video games like the toys like the trading cards like the comic books but i was more of the the multimedia aspect of it because that was more dominant in the 90s the 80s was yeah. really really heavy on on the publicized work um, but, you know, I took in the, the X-Men cartoon shows and the Spider-Man cartoon shows and I uh, was obsessive over the cards growing up. So that led into, you know, my young adulthood being obsessed with the MCU. Uh, I was at that Comic-Con when they announced the MCU. I was in that that room and I, I heard the, the, the speeches and was, you know, I saw Fahey talking about uh, their intentions on potentially, eventually releasing an Avengers because if you paid attention to the movies that they were considering that you could naturally come to the conclusion that they were going to lead to a bigger story. Uh, and we got what we got. So there's a lot to talk about in regards to the Marvel universe. Uh, I am a fan, um, you know, and, and treacherous territory with this and, and, and let's be real. The DC and the Marvel fighting is insane. The, the inner conflict between DC fans of, of who's making what and, which Marvel movies are, are trash compared to the others. 
You can just like movies and watch them and enjoy them for what they are and appreciate the fact that we live in a world where our culture is being uh, just completely dominating, you know, in, in, in regards to, to media and, and the content that people are getting. You know, it's like we run the world now, <laughs> you know, so we should all uh, be appreciative because before Marvel, uh, it was it was pretty low key. Everybody that was into it was just a comic book fan. Marvel and DC were just just two different things that you enjoyed equally. Uh, and and yep. that's how we're going to hopefully deliver it. And we don't want the, the discourse around those conversations to be hostile. Uh, and we'll, we'll take the, the necessary measures to make sure that everything is chill. Uh, another thing that you can also check out is we do have a discord, you know, the free segment or the free game segment at the beginning of the show. Those are just links that we're posting in the channel and the discord. And you can always check that out and pick them up when we post them, when we run across them. Uh, the little segment at the beginning of the show is just for anybody that doesn't have access. Uh, after we get through these catch-up segments of Marvel, DC, Star Wars, maybe Harry Potter, you know, we'll get into what the show really is, which is a multi-segment show where we dedicate 15, 20 minutes at a time to a particular segment, whether it be uh, comic book movies, video game releases, trailers, speculations, what ifs, you know, just just topics that we run across uh, when we have to uh, scrounge every week for for things to talk about. Uh, right now, yeah. we have a lot to catch up on. So yeah, with that, we we're not going to shy away from hard topics. Like we've been talking about a lot about the Johnny Depp stuff, and I mean the racism um, that happened with Moses Ingram, mm -hmm. and Kelly that's going to be something that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, those are those are topics that get a little dodgy. But again, just two guys sitting around chit chatting, uh, and hundred uh, percent, and just sharing our opinions. Uh, not intended to sway the opinion of anybody else or inject our opinion into somebody who might not be 100 percent clear. It's just commenting on on things that are going on out there. So uh, that is pretty much it. Again, all of our socials at Nerd Show or Nerd Chatter Show, uh, and then the website nerdchatter.com if you want a little more details and check out our patreon as well as our discord uh, thank you everyone again for joining us and we hope to see you next week yep, yep. all right guys have a good one